Happy Chinese New Year, everyone, or everyone else who celebrates a different version of it. Happy Lunar New Year, or whatever it may be. This is the Good Anime Podcast back with another episode. Today's episode is episode 27. We've got, uh, you know, the usual partners in crime, Will and Jason, back in the office after a long week of food and debauchery. How are you doing, buddy? Happy Chinese New Year, everyone. Good health, good wealth. Yeah, and uh, welcoming the year of the tiger. Yep, it's the year of the tiger, um, so that means that we're going to be coming in strong with a new episode. Uh, today's episode is going to be could it be a fun one because we you, we all, to, you always say that because though. no because this one is a little bit different because we always talk about like themes talk about certain characters talk about producers directors properties this time we're actually talking about something that is. A sum of its parts. You know, we're talking about everything is an amalgamation of different characteristics, different personalities, and different motives to be able to create like the actual purpose of why a manga or an anime exists. So, um, I may not agree with what you're saying, Will, but I do support uh, your ability and your freedom to say it. What what what, what, what do you disagree with? I'm just making a a wordplay on the theme okay. of today's topic. Right. But hey, um. Chinese New Year, everything's good. We chilled the fuck out. It was yep. great. Had food. Yep. Saw family. It was a nice uh, ensemble of people coming together, right? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> no, no, actually, we're not doing that. Remember, we made a distinction. We'll, we, we'll, we'll have a discussion about that later on. So before we go into the topic, we're going to be going over you know the usual the 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 watch lists of uh, you know the anime and the manga that uh, either has been going on this season or the stuff we've been catching up on. Uh, I've watched a bit, read a bit, and then I took a break over Chinese New Year. But um, you know, I think I had a lot going on. You were you had a little more of a more chill schedule. Oh, I was so chilled. Uh, and what I ended up doing was completing about seven to eight anime series on my on hold list but i'm not going to mention like most of them because well whatever but thank god i'm trying my best to keep that new year's resolution the western new year's resolution of clearing out as much of on hold anime as i can yeah now your on hold list is right what like 50 no it's like 63 or something (laughs) it's not it's like it went from like progress is progress yeah it went from like 70 something to 60 something look within like two weeks to 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 go down like eight anime series to completion is, I'm happy. Okay. Well, why don't we go? Why don't we start with you then? Like, what was the what was one of the series that uh, well, actually, you watched that you want to talk about? Actually, before we do that, last episode it was our winter twenty six episode winter premieres. Yes, uh, we watched something we should talk about. Right. Okay. I think that is more we should just This episode, this series debuted shortly after the release of our winter twenty twenty two premiere episode. So of course that meant we couldn't talk about it, but we're coming back with you with some fresh intel and intel about what has been going on this winter season. We gotta talk about Ryman's Club. Also known as Salary Man's Club. Now, when Will and I was looking at the lineup, obviously this anime premiered at a later time than the release of our episode so we couldn't cover it but we were not optimistic we were just like this is just a whatever show oh it's an anime original about um produced by Leiden films it's about dudes in the business league for badminton yep 
Suits and Badminton just does not sound like a combination that should exist, but for some reason, and anyway, we don't know much about Japanese corporate culture or sports culture, but I guess apparently... Hey, we know sports culture. Well, I mean, like, in terms of how Japanese leagues are, are, are created, right? That is true. So, apparently, you know, professional business leagues for sports exist, uh, and in this world, there is... It's not underground at all. This is, like, very much like a over-the-counter, like, real-time kind of thing where you know, large conglomerates and businesses duke it out on a badminton court by pitching their best badminton players who are also, you know, professionally working as salespeople for the company, whether it's to push for sports drinks or massage chairs or whatever services and products they, they, they advertise. Um, it's It doesn't sound like something that should be interesting nor should it work, but episode one, if that was anything to go by, I'm pretty excited for how the rest of the season is going to turn out. So initially, what happened was we knew that this was going to debut on that certain day. And I was like, okay, let's just see what the score is. The score jumped from obviously not non-applicable because as a premiere to a 7.40. I think right now it holds a 7.48. So for nine. For nine. It's, I, it's very close to breaching the 7.5 mark. Uh, we watched the trailer for it as well. We watched it before we even got into watching the series. And like... We gotta admit, like, it is four eight. Yeah, four 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 eight. Okay, it, it so, dropped a bit. So it wasn't like oh, they were super blown away by the trailer. It looked snappy, like it showed you like the action shots. It showed you like a little sort of like preview of what the backstory would look like. We were okay. We weren't like so blown away by it that we had to watch it. But considering there wasn't much to pick from from this winter season, we thought, hey, why don't we check it out? You watched it first, yes, and then literally within twenty minutes, you're like, well, you gotta watch this. I'm like, okay, I'm on my lunch break now. I'm gonna go turn it on. Within five minutes, I'm like, this this is it. This is what we missed out on. This is what didn't come out before our episode. So our message exchanged throughout this play-by-play of Will watching this episode. And previously, me watching this episode was kind of funny and crazy because we just kind of lost our minds. Uh, the story of the anime, at least from the first episode, is... Actually, I don't even remember all the names, but main character is a very highly uh, successful badminton player. But due to certain uh, incidents, he got fired or let go from his previous company. He decided to go home. And then all of a sudden on his way home, he receives a message and another company is willing to give him an offer. And he's not really concerned about the job because even though it's a sales job, he's mainly concerned about playing badminton in the business league. So I guess... As Will said, we don't know if that's like a huge thing, but apparently it's a big thing in this anime. And then, obviously, in badminton, you can play singles and doubles, just like, for example, in, in a lot of racket sports. And uh, due to certain reasons, our main character does not want to play doubles anymore. He just wants to play singles. And uh, let's just say, long story short, he's going to play doubles with a very unlikely partner. The animation quality was incredibly surprising. I think that we knew with Biden films doing it, it was going to look decent because, I mean, like I, I recently watched and finished up uh, the Tokyo Revengers uh, anime. And whilst it did look good, action sequences weren't very smooth or fluid. But watching Ryman's Club, the animation quality, especially when they're doing the actual badminton matches, were really, really good. It I- was incredible how high quality they, they were. What was that? Uh 
series, that line of films, also did Billionaire Detective. A, mi- millionaire, a Millionaire Detective. Right, and I said Unlimited, that, unlimited Balance. And right. I said that, hey, it looks exactly like that. So if you have seen that series, regardless of how you feel about it, I think it looks pretty good. And Ryman's Club is, if not the same, but maybe even better, especially when they do the, the matches. Yeah, I think overall you can still see a little grittiness um, that Latin films has, especially when they're doing this more, the more sort of like dialogue heavy sort of SOL sort of segments. But overall, it was a very neatly put together package. It's kind of like how we feel about Sabakui Bisco, where okay, like the stories, nah, I don't really know what's going on here, but the action sequences were fucking ridiculous, and that's pretty much what got our attention, and we're pretty excited to see what's going to happen after episode one. When it comes to sports anime, I feel that when it comes to the plot being a very generic plot, I tend to give it a pass because it's it's really less about how they uh, the destination as to how they get there. And I have to do a special shout out, and I sure Will would agree, is the sound design and the music. The orchestral soundtrack is really on point, like super, super on point. This is uh, Ryman's Club, at least from the first episode. uh, We have to really stipulate. It could drop in terms of quality, but if they could maintain this quality, this is basically high Q plus Kuroko no Basket, kind of, would you say? It it takes... It's definitely the the best parts of them, and it doesn't necessarily replicate the same hype and feel, but it gives you a similar kind of feeling. There are points when, like you know, when they when they when they shuttle the cock really hard. Yeah, I was like, that was a quote of the yeah. day for me. No, no, we'll we'll said that to me word for word on through messages, and I was just and, and then every now and then you just be messaging me and say, okay, what in the high is going on here? And you show me an inspirational quote that one of the athlete says, and like this is. Okay, like uh, I'm, I'm sold. Let's and, just do this. And I will, I will, I will tell you the quote: "When the you lose when the shuttle hits the ground, so I will return all of them." Oof! Look, if you can't already figure like how hype, how hype we are about Robin's Club, you should go check it out again. It's only just been one episode that we watched. I think it's slated for like a one cur. Who knows how long it Who is? Knows, yeah, um, but it is definitely worth checking out. It's basically better than Hanebado, which is what a lot of people draw parallels to because it's basically Hanebado is female badminton, and I thought that series was just okay. This is better for sure. It was hovering below a 7 last I checked. It was like a 6.9 something. It could be lower. It could be higher, but it definitely wasn't a 7 for Hanebado. All right. So last episode also, I mentioned that uh, Will is going out on an excursion, and then therefore, in order to prep for it, I suggested, among many other things, to watch a certain series. This is based on the fact that like, we watched Slow Loop, and Slow Loop is really, really cute girls doing really cute fly fishing. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then Jay's like, yeah, this is, um, this is pretty much like a light version of Yuru Camp. Also known as Laid Back Camp. And since I was going camping, which I did do last week... Uh, you you should have killed those boars, by the way. Those boars, no, there was a whole family, man. I wasn't about to kill a baby boar. There were a lot of cows, though, but we didn't have the right tools to actually properly dismantle. Anyways, um, it was it, the the thing with Eurocamp is it's incredibly informative, but at the same time, incredibly cute. And so I watched both seasons 
one season on Crunchyroll and one season on Netflix because that's how things are done nowadays. Oh no, I think the second season is also on Crunchyroll. Is it? It wasn't on mine. Like when I was looking at it, I was like, I, I tried clicking it and it wasn't there. Okay. But then I looked over on Netflix and it was there. So right. maybe they made the switch over. So Yuru Camp is based on the manga of the same name. Uh, Yen Press publishes the English manga. Season two premiered last year in winter 2021 produced by sea station which they don't really do much but listen listen yuru camp is fantastic primo slice of life slash fluffy slash cute girls doing cute things but this time they're going camping uh the score on my anime list for these two series is through the roof i think um yuru camp season two is ranked 54 or something really high like that it's it's definitely one of those shows where, like, we, we talk about shows where you can just sit back, turn off your brain, and enjoy something. But this is, like, the pinnacle of it, where you just sit back and you watch these girls go out and enjoy the very thing that they set themselves out to do, which is to enjoy camping to the max. Whether it's to do it solo, do it as a group, or even just go out and buy camping equipment or make money to be able to fund a camping excursion. And the, the best part is, the things that like, I watched and learned from the show actually applied to real life because i basically used every single tip that they showed and it all worked when i was camping i mean of course they suggested not to camp on a beach or at least pick a grassy field we had limited options so we made the best of what we could but we everything went off without a hitch and it's all thanks to euro camp i have to say also that the opening for euro camp season one and the opening for euro camp season two not only kind of has the same you were very right about season one OP being very Jackson Five. Yes, it, it is. It, it's 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 uncanny how similar it sounds. It's 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 a fucking good. It's a fucking good OP. And then season, the second OP is great too. Yes, really seize good. the day for season two. It's just they're just so it makes you feel nice. It makes you feel good. So I gave Yuru Camp season one an eight. I gave Yuru Camp season two a nine because instead of having to introduce all these characters in season one, season two kind of introduce not only more characters but you actually see all the interactions and there were some very nice cute moments and there's even some drama kind of situations that campers might encounter that i feel is actually quite important because even though it's done in a very nice fluffy way when you think about it uh it could spell disaster i gave both seasons a nine i understand with season two being like same shit different day but in a really positive manner uh, and the fact that it's a whole ensemble, everybody's there. I thought that with season one at your hand, it was a lot more informative. And the fact the fact that a lot of the things they taught me actually worked in real life, I had to give them that extra point. So a very overall, an incredibly, incredibly solid show. I think that even if you don't have much of an interest in camping, who doesn't want to see cute girls doing cute things? And if it's camping and they're all really, really passionate into it, like, yo, it's it's just a great time. Just sit back and literally, literally lay back and enjoy it. It's great. It's super great. Uh, so that is the Yuru Camp Excursion Report. Probably the only one until either we talk about Room Camp, Heia Camp, which is kind of their anime shorts, or the movie that's coming out. So. Yeah. It's good. I, I'm, I'm actually excited to watch the movie. As much as it's a, it's a show that's like, it's not an exciting show. Right? But that's usually just how cute girls slice of life shows are. They're not supposed to be like ex- in- in- high octane intense. Like, oh, like what the fuck's going on? This is an amazing show kind of feel. It's more just, oh, wow. 
this girl finally has her moped and she's finally able to go out and buy more camping equipment and actually have a more fulfilling experience when it comes to doing solo camps. This is really, really cute. And holy hell, it is really, really, really damn cute. So another series that I finished as one of my on-hold series also is a cute girl kind of doing a cute thing. It is an anime called Senryu Shoujo. It is a manga series written and illustrated by Masakuni Igarashi. Uh, there is currently oh, you pronounce un- that name without a hitch. I know, I know. I'm pre- I'm getting better. I'm learning. Uh, so there is currently no English translation as of right now, but the series is complete, and there is currently one anime season with 12 or 13 episodes. But each episode is half episode length, so around 13 minutes. All you need to know is this: there is a girl who doesn't talk, except she talks in Senryu, which is. A lot of literary people are going to hate me for this, but it is basically almost the same format. No, it is the same format as haikus with the 575 syllables. But there is a difference between the two, and I think it has something to do with the theme or the topic that is the one that differentiates between the two. So you might say to yourself, well, how does a mute girl talk? Well, obviously because they talk in the, the 575 syllable, and it is voiced by none other than Kanahana. And it talks about this girl's kind of lovey-dovey, not really romance with this guy who looks like a delinquent but is actually, like, super into uh, Senryu. Is there anything that Kanahana can't do? Uh, Nothing. Nothing. I I, I think as as soon as, like, a show comes out, it's like they're always creating characters with Kanahana in mind. I mean, I think Adachi and Shimamura, they got Kanahana to voice like some random Kelefe, like some random girl that shows up and has three lines. But then everyone was like, yo, this this most impressionable character there is for three lines is dope. So uh, this movie, I mean, not this movie, this anime short, uh, 13 episodes is really cute because, for, for, for example, this girl talks in Haikyuu Sojin. She has like these little like, I don't know, what do you call it? Like sheets where the 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 senryu is like written on and she would do stuff like she would run and then she would have it show up and you're just like how's that gonna work but it's anime so and it's just really funny because a lot of uh the 575 actually works within the context and you learn quite a bit and they also deal with certain other characters as well and it's just really nice wholesome fluffy and it's really easily digestible because they're all half episodes and I really want an English translation, but I don't think we're going to get it because it's been a while. So, yeah, you should check it out. It's really, really good. Right. Now, on to – I didn't tell Jason that I read a manga until this morning, so we're officially listing it as a mystery manga. But you know damn well what this manga is because as part of the seasonal bet that we did last season, I had to read or watch Zura Dura Children. And you gave me the first volume of it. Uh, I was going to watch, read it anyway, as opposed to watch it, just because the score differentials on Mal were quite big. I think it was like a seven point six for the anime versus an eight point two five for the manga. And given that vast difference, it just made sense to read it instead. So the 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 manga itself came out in two thousand fourteen, um, published uh, by Kodansha as part of their Besatsu Shonen Magazine lineup. Um, for the English producer, it's done by uh, it's it's produced by and published by Kodansha USA. 
so still very much under the Kodansha umbrella. 2014, it ended its serialization in 2018 for a run of 12 volumes. So there's a lot of stuff you can read. However, when it comes to the anime, there's only at the moment one season that was adapted, and that was done by Studio Kokumi back in 2017. So if you want like the full Zurudure experience, you're going to have to read the manga, which, fortunately for everyone here, uh, it's all done in English now, right? They got the English adaptations in a convention U.S. Yeah, I read all of it. It's great. It's um, So here's my problem with Surajuri Children. All right. I still have no idea what the point of it is because there are – okay, the, the format is a four coma, which is basically four panels, four panels, four panels, four panels, little squares of like dialogue and action, and that's supposed to tell one small chapter of a story, and then the next one, another chapter of the same story, and then another chapter until it reaches its end, and then moves to a new story. Now, within each story, it is focused on usually two characters, one male, one female, or it could be two female or two male, whatever it may be. And it focuses on sort of... Like high school, mid- middle school romance, right? Like basically um, mustering the confidence to confess to your loved one or being hit with a confession and not really knowing what to do or maybe asking a girl out on a date, but you've never been on a date before. So you're very nervous and you don't know how to keep yourself composed or in, it seems to be like a thing that happens in not just Japanese manga and anime, but also in Western media as well. Uh, a, a student confessing their love to a teacher. Um, again, this is all, you know, this is all fiction. Don't take what I say for real, but it's a storyline. Uh, or maybe just basically someone, you know, like trying to teach you the ways of romance and love and all that. A lot of it is very comical. A lot of it is very sweet. And I guess the point in the sh- in the series itself is, and they show it at the very end as well. You're supposed to start building up a, an, an affinity, like a love, uh, for one one character's journey, or maybe multiple characters' journeys. So they'll have at the end like a little synopsis of which character is which, what their sort of spiel is by having a little quote from them. It's all very cute, and at times a little fluffy, at times really funny. My issue with it, however. There's so many fucking characters, man. I don't remember any of their names. I don't remember who did what, who confessed to who, who got caught smoking, why the teacher got confessed to, and like how many teachers there are in this school that have pseudo relationships with students. Not romantic, just basically there's like interest not actually acted on. Like at the end, there are thirty four characters. 34 fucking characters. And for the most part, most manga and anime do have a lot of characters, right? But they'll introduce you to them one by one. But each character in the first volume has significance that goes beyond just the the couple panels they're in. They will actually develop over the next 11 volumes after the first one. And I don't know who to root for. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do because there's, I've been given so much information. I don't remember. There's like a Kanakawa. There's like a Tanase. There's like a, a Tanako, a, a, a Jun, a Kiyami. And like I don't know who was who. They all are kind of similar. I will admit some of the some of the skits, some of the, 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 the chapters they have are pretty cute and funny. I just don't know. Like, is it going to really be the same thing over and over, over the next couple of volumes? Do you, do you want me to answer? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, so first of all, um, the anime series that uh, Will mentioned, it each episode is actually half 
episode length. So they're 13 minutes each. So so this is just for the anime, not the manga, That's right? correct. Yeah. Uh, the manga is obviously 12 volumes. I love it. Uh, it definitely, the whole point of the manga and the anime is to look at different pairings and various stages of relationships, as Will said. Some are in a relationship already. Some are just starting. Some haven't started. Some are having difficulties trying to start it. And it is a lot of characters. And if you, for example, Will, if you just Google the cover of volume 12 of Tsuru Dura Children, you will understand what I'm talking about in terms of the wealth of characters. What I can say for a fact is you start caring less about the names and start being like, oh, this is the character with the pigtails. Oh, this is the tall character. This is the guy with the glasses. And actually, that works out very, very well because their aesthetics don't change. So it's very easy later on to grasp who is who. And in the later uh, chapters, in the later volumes, everyone kind of mingles with one another such that there is context that follows. Because in the beginning, rightfully so, that Will said, they're kind of all kind of disjointed. And yeah, they all go to the same high school, but they kind of like don't really interact with each other. But I can tell you that later on, not only the fluffiness jumps up, but it gets rather emotional. And uh, I sobbed a couple of times. It's for, for sure. Like, okay, like for lack of a better word, it's a clusterfuck. Because there's like 50 different plot lines going on in the first volume. And rightly so, because you're trying to look at pairings. And when there's 34 fucking characters just from the first volume, you're going to see multiple stories and interactions between pairings. And there's it'd be at least 15, 17 pairings. Uh, one memorable character that I, would, I did like was, um, yes. I forgot which character's younger sibling it is, but when the sister shows up and she's incredibly clingy and protective and always just trying to find... Oh, Hotaru, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I liked her a lot. <laughs> she was one of the more memorable... Because, because for her, like, her prerogative was different. Everyone else was trying to, like confess everyone was trying to understand what it means to be in a relationship somewhere like of course you have the dense mc kind of thing where it's like oh uh i like someone oh you do oh yeah i like a teacher oh i wonder who that teacher is and like that teacher's sitting there wondering and then the other person's like wow this person is really bad at their job they can't even read emotions but i can't help but fall in love with them blah blah, blah. so like you're, you you get those like typical kind of romantic plot lines but with a lot of comedy that's thrown into it I did like the very protective, clingy younger sister who was like just trying to destroy any relationship whatsoever. Did you see the skit that involved a telephone, yeah. or, or a, a cell phone? Yeah, I also saw the skit with the with the with the razor blade. Yeah, I was wondering if this was going to be the beginning of a Yuno Gasai, like a like a Yandere kind of thing. But no, she's just madly in love with someone and is um, not above like going into self-harming in order to get the attention of her loved one which yeah um it, it can go to some dark places i'm assuming that some of those things are going to be further explored further expanded on uh i i, I guess i have to see what happens in in volume two and beyond to really understand the full world of zero doer children because at this moment if you just go by volume one you will get lost you will get lost it's it's not okay like despite my gripes it's not a bad manga it just takes you a little but you, you you can't just read it panel for panel for panel most of the time whenever you're reading a, a manga you can kind of go from beginning to end get a good grasp of the world of the characters and then you're ready for a next one like that's how i did it with one piece how i did it with tokyo ghoul with monster with um with with, with berserk 
because it all flows in one direction. But because with Zuri Zuri Children, each plotline flows for like 14, Jesus Christ, you just showed me the cover of, of volume 12. Th those are all the characters that show up. Yeah. Um, so it's beyond thirty four, right? It's yeah, not, yeah. You're yeah. not even you're not even close to having all. So the you have like I think it's like fifteen, like sixteen to like twenty panels for one plot line, and then end. Then the next one shows up. So it's like every three to four pages is like one storyline. It literally jumps from ship to ship. Yeah, and it's like a hundred and thirty pages for the first volume. So like from that alone, there is already like thirty to forty different plot lines. Some are connected. Some are just on their own. Um, I you it, and it works because whenever because I think the thing is like if you want to focus on a, char a specific character or a specific ship, you can. You could just skip some of the other panels, though. I think suggested like because of how clusterfucky it gets with all the characters, probably shouldn't skip any of the stories. Just read everything. Um, yeah, just based on the first volume alone, it's not enough. You really have to read more of it, and I can see where this is going to be like. Why it's more popular? Why it's why, why it's actually highly rated? Um, it's just, goddamn! Like it, it took a lot for me to flip back and forth and really understand what the hell was going on. Okay, but it's not bad. It's not bad. Okay, my favorite pairing is uh, Akagi and Kaji, which is the delinquent girl and the class president. Oh, the one who, oh, the girl who got caught smoking. Yes. Yeah. And then my oh, that part was actually really funny. And then I remember it's like I like. <laughs> It, it, it's like soft blackmail, but it wasn't really because she was also down for it as well. It's like, oh, how much would it cost for this? Oh, it'll be it'll be that much. Oh, how coincidental! Just pulls out a sack of cash. It's like, why do you carry this money around with you? I have a very lucrative part time job. It's like, yeah, so, uh, actually, no. Wow, you're actually doing this to me now because now I'm actually remembering specific pairings. Yeah, and, and some then, of them I don't remember at and, all. And then my second favorite pairing is uh, voiced actually in the anime by. Kanahana. God damn it. <laughs> and uh, she is called Yuki, and she professes her love super, super, super early to this really shy guy who's the class rep. Is that the first like, the first story? Absolutely. Right. No, 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 no. That's not the first story. The first story is... A girl confessing to a guy as well, right? Right. But then she... Okay, I'm not going to say, but yes. Um, dude, they're all like a girl and a guy. I think much. like you could kind of spoil them anyway because it's like that's literally just how the relationship starts. It's what happens afterwards that you shouldn't spoil anyway. I feel like most of the time, like like first episodes or first volumes, you can spoil a little bit because you're going to have to start from somewhere and it's not like those are groundbreaking spoilers. You're going to have to get through it anyway. Um, but yeah, would I give Zero Dory Children a recommendation? At the moment, yeah, I could say it, it works for most people. It's... It's starting to make a little more sense to me, especially after reading the first volume. I will need to read more to give it like a solid thumbs up. But look, like, if you want to take the journey uh, and just jump straight into it before I do, go ahead. Like I, it's it's available in English. It's not hard to get. And if you just want to read, just want to watch anime, there's a season of it. So it's not obviously complete in terms of the whole manga adaptation, but. It's good to, you know, understand what it's all about. And if you're really interested, I highly, highly recommend the manga. It's 10 out of 10. I finished it from beginning to end in a very, very short period of time. Yeah. So that concludes. I think it does conclude the, the read and watch. Yep. Okay, great. So we can now do a smooth transition into the latter half of this section, which is going over something we didn't do last week, which is talk about news. 
Uh, last week was just no, no. Last episode was just heavy with recommendations and overviews of the Winter 2022 season. Therefore, we decided just to you know nix the news section. But we're coming back with some some pretty cool news, especially for specific creators, specific series, and then also in the world of what the fuck anime, what the fuck Japan, what's going on here. We have some of that kind of news too. So Jason, you want to start us off with the first bit of news? Yeah, it's really in, uh, it's a really good segue that you en- we ended the reading watching with reading because uh Shueisha's Manga Plus app, which very is a good an, app by the way, very good app. It's an app that Will and I use quite a bit has actually made a decision which is they are now allowing all readers of the app to read all English chapters of any manga once. Now, I don't know how they're going to track that. Oh, I guess, like, when you read it, when you get to the end. Yeah, they'll, they'll pop up a recounter. to, oh, you've concluded this. You want to read it again, you know. But that's I, – I actually really like that. I love it because, first of all, it allows you to really consume the whole series or whatever is released up to date, right? But furthermore, it just also gets users kind of acclimated into – the digital manga space using the app such that, oh, the next uh, uh, it, uh, chapter of My Hero Academia is just out. Oh, Spike's family's out. Oh, yeah, sure. I'll, I mean, I, I read, I used the app already. Why don't let's, let's continue? And I think the app is pretty well integrated and it's a very good move because if you want to reread it, you pay, but that's it. But you, you, you read it for free already. Now, there is a stipulation, though. It does yes. occur over a one-year period. Yes, that is true. Which, to be fair, one year is quite a long time. And if you're not reading all the manga, you're reading some of it, that's still like a really good sort of like trial period, right? Um, and it's also not all of its manga. It's 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 the simul-release manga. So stuff that is coming out, essentially, and published at the same time in Japan. But there's quite a lot on here. I'll just run you through a couple of series that are like free to read. Uh, so there's, of course, One Piece, My Hero Academia, Jutsu Kaisen, Black Clover, Dr. Stone, Undead Unluck, Mashal, Me and Robico, Sakamoto Days, Elusive Samurai, uh, Blue Box, Boruto, Dragon Ball Super, Wolt Trigger, Dan Dan Dan, uh, Spy X Family, Monster Number 8, or Kaiju Number 8, uh, one of my personal favorites. Hokkaido Girls are super adorable. Uh, even if you slip my mouth, which is that one's actually like super underrated. People need to read that one. Yeah, they should read that one. Uh, and uh, Chojin X. Uh, so those are the ones that you can read for free for a year. Um, I ended on Children X actually because it I makes know, sense. I know. Yes. Um, X, we've talked about how um, how not great the manga is, but it's still it's still doing fine. It's still being serialized. So Children X is written and illustrated by Soyushida, which is very well known for being the author of Tokyo Ghoul, Tokyo Ghoul Re. One of my personal favorites. Um, so, uh, on the 10th year of the weekly Shonen Jump, uh, no, the weekly Young Jump magazine, uh, it was revealed that, uh, Suyashida has decided to not serialize Jojin X on the magazine, but instead he'll be moving the serialization to another Mongo site that Shueisha does, which is Tonari no Young Jump. Uh, now, I don't really know the difference between either of them, but it seems that the difference is that he's able to work a little bit more on his own schedule. He's not sort of adhering a more strict kind of release schedule, which I guess is good. I think like the the release of Children X was already pretty irregular. 
right? I think like they released like a couple chapters, and then there was nothing for a while. And then the more chapters came out. Um, uh, I maybe he's you know really wanting to take his time to flesh out the story because I gotta admit, like it just doesn't feel like a very good manga at the moment. It it, it feels like it's taking a lot of tropes and characteristics of Tokyo Ghoul that made it good uh, and is now sort of repackaged into a different flavor, which at the moment is not a flavor that I'm enjoying too much. I feel that I feel the same way that uh, Will just said. And I also feel that in a way, even though it's not, they're both Soatia uh, magazines or digital magazines, but Young Jump is where Tokyo Ghoul and Tokyo Ghi, uh, Ri was housed. And to me, at least, when you move, it's kind of like a lateral movement, but within the same company kind of thing. I kind of feel like it, it, it's a symbolic gesture that like, oh, it's not the same anymore. Maybe that's not the case, but at least as a as an observer from the outside, I'm like, oh, the one place that you called home for the longest time that made you famous is now like, yeah, nah, bro. But we're not letting you go, but just go next door. So I don't know what that means. As as Will We don't know, right? It, it could have been a Suisha decision. It could have been a Suyashida decision. It could have been mutual. Um, or just essentially one reason or another is no longer going to be serialized on Weekly Young Jump. It'll be on Tonari No Young Jump. Uh, so it's still it, you're still going to get your Choji Next content, uh, but really I think like there's got to be some improvements made on this. I mean, look, the tagline for the, the series itself is if you like, oh my god, yeah, yes, go, yeah, go, go, to go. fight a monster, you must become one. Which, to be fair, is literally the same fucking thing that happens in Tokyo Ghoul. So like, I don't understand why they even bothered using that line. Like sometimes, like. A leopard doesn't change its spots, right? Like, it's hard to teach a dog new tricks. This very much feels a similar situation to that. It doesn't matter what clothes or how you dress it up. Sometimes people are just going to look the same regardless of what attire they wear, which then goes into our next topic. Wow, <laughs> we're really going in with the, the segues. Will, Will is, like, cringing so hard. So one of the anime, uh, seasonal anime this uh, winter, is My Dress Up Darling. It is probably my seasonal anime of the season, minus, I guess, uh, Demon Slayer and AOT, even though that's kind of whatever. But what in about terms Takagi? Of, uh, Dress Up Darling is better. Okay. So I would say as a non-sequel especially, Dress Up Darling as an anime property is really well done, and it's great. And that Episode 4 hits hard. It gets good. I think, like, if you haven't already started yet, like, you will enjoy a very, very fruitful and emotional journey from episode one up to the latest episode. I think, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not just, you know, boobs and cosplay. I mean, there is always that, but they add more stuff in. There are currently four volumes currently out in English by uh, Square Enix Manga. And um, I read all four of them a while ago. I loved it. And apparently now a lot of people agree because my dress up darling manga has now put one million more copies in circulation since the anime premiered, which is just this is episode four, right? So a month, a month in, you are up one mil. That's crazy. Okay, it won't be up one mil every week, but as like the momentum is great. So, considering you, like, the average manga, at least in Japan, costs anywhere between four to five hundred yen, right? And then you multiply that by a mil. That's five million U.S. dollars right there. Four to five million U.S. dollars, which is 
pretty phenomenal work for just one month of anime. Now, of course, you know, a lot of things go into anime production. It's not so much that, like, oh, because the manga is making this much money, like, you know, it equates and overcomes, like, the, the costs put into creating the anime. But, like, we got to look at it in a positive note, right? A mill in four weeks is, is pretty crazy. I'm sure the mangaka is extremely happy about this. And I think everyone is extremely happy because it's kind of is like it feeds itself, right? People read more. People, word spread. They would then watch the manga. I mean, read the manga. And then they will watch the anime. And then I think they deserve the success because it's a very good property. It's a very good anime adaptation. Cloverworks is awesome. Cloverworks did a really, really good job with um, with – with not just dress up darling, but also a KV silly uniform. I can't say the same about Tokyo Ward, but uh, we're not even going to talk about that. Um, definitely feel that dress up darling uh, is really good. Um, I don't think the OP is that great. Originally. I think I think it's fine. I like the ED better. Yeah, the ED is way better. Um, you know, speaking of OPs, <laughs> so another seasonal anime airing right now that should be on everyone's radar is Attack on Titan. The final season part two. I can't believe I have to say the whole title. It's it's a bit of a mouthful. It's gonna get worse when they announce what's gonna happen after. Like, okay, spoiler alert, and this is not really a spoiler because con- considering like how this has been paced, I don't think that we're seeing the end of of Attack on Titan yet. I think we're due for another bit, but that's not about this piece of news. This piece of news is about music and the opening for Attack on Titan final season part two is fucking lit. It's great. Do you like it? I do like it. I actually have not heard it. Yeah, because well, yes, because you decided to go read ahead, right? Because the manga's done now. Um, I've done the same too. But <laughs> so I had like not really issues with the first OP from uh, part one. Now that one I remember. That one was very different from all the other OPs. I mean, that opening sequence was kind of psychedelic. It was extremely colorful for a manga, for an anime that's incredibly dark and bleak. Um, but the second OP for part two, oh no, the OP for part two. Oh man, I'm getting so <laughs> so hard. To all right, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll just yeah. clarify. So for Attack on Titan, the final season part two, which is airing right now this winter anime season, reached number one on the U.S. Billboard Hard Rock chart. Yeah, let that sink in, folks. A Japanese animation, the opening for an anime that came out this season is now doing gangbusters for a billboard, not in Japan, but in the U.S. So you haven't heard it yet, uh, but that's no. because you haven't got you – haven't, you haven't finished part one. I haven't even finished uh, season three. Ah, there you go. Okay, so you're but you but you listened to the opening for part one. I mean, um, I watched it with you. Yeah, so you're gonna have because to, when they did the switch with the studio, so you're gonna have to start picking up on the at least check out the op. You don't have to uh, watch part two until you're pretty much already done. But hey, the music is oh, the music is good. This is really good. So throughout the existence of this podcast alone, we have res- I have seen tons and tons of news stories about oh. Chainsaw Man being on the New York Times bestseller list. Oh, uh, certain uh, sh- uh, thing is getting uh, a Harvey Award, I think was one of them. Harvey Awards, yeah. Yeah, or, uh, for example, Bell is, uh, you know, standing ovation in the Cannes Film Festival. I know I keep mentioning that. Certain but- manga are getting listed for, like, the U.S. library services and all that. Like, it's... It, it, oh, it, France yeah. decided to be, like... Oh, Yo, we love manga, bro. Young kids need to read more, so we're going to give them money to buy manga. 
Yeah. Which is, which is actually pretty actually, cool. No, they gave them money, and then, like, 80% of them is like, yeah, I'm just going to spend it on manga. We cool? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So it's, 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 again, that little proliferation into Western cultures, right? But this this is different because the fact that, like, the music industry is incredibly hard to crack into in the U.S. But, you know, like, this is also Attack on Titan. Okay, so, uh, I mean, it's not really spoiler or anything. Is the song sung in English? Uh, oof, I actually don't remember. Oh, I, wow. Okay, yeah. sorry. I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Yeah, because, because I actually haven't watched... Okay, so I watched one episode of part two, uh, but then I decided to go ahead and read the rest of the manga. So okay. I just remember being incredibly lit. So, but and again, it's, it's, it's Attack on Titan. The music is always going to be lit. We'll report back after the break. The point is uh, Attack on Titan or slash anime slash manga in general is making a huge splash all around the world, not just right now, but throughout the past couple of years. And it is a very positive thing, not only for the industry, but also for the Wii community at large. And I love it. Yeah. So now we're going to move away from America, move back to the East, go to Japan and, you know, enhance, enhance and focus in on Niigata Prefecture okay. of Japan. Well, I need you to imagine a scene. Okay. So, you know, the lights uh, through the sun. Coming in through the, the cracks of my window. Exactly. The my, curtains. Yeah. Exactly. And... uh your alarm bell rings. You 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 hit it maybe several times because you want to snooze. Yeah, I, I snooze at least twice. But then stretch out, get ready to get out of bed. Then your mom bangs on the door and you realize you're late. So then you run, 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 run. Try to you know go over your 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 younger siblings who are also brushing their teeth, but they're chilling because they're on time. Go to the living room and there's a full spread of breakfast wait, waiting for me there. And it's like, oh, sorry, mom, I got no time. This, with every single, not just Japanese, but also any media where it's like you're running late, you just grab one thing. And more, more often than not, it's a slice of toast. Oh, no, no, but wait. But then you did, you, you go you, you go back again because you forget to get your bento lunch. But okay, yes. You then run out the door with a toast in your mouth. Uh, anime has done this since the beginning. Things like K-On! or a lot of romance stuff do this where they kind of run into each other in, at a corner because they can't see each other and the girl with the jam and toast and whatever. So it's it's a trope. It's a meme. It's very common in Japanese anime, manga, or even live action. It's honestly something that we love. I, I, I don't see any problem with cute girl running down the road with a piece of toast in her mouth. But what Asian people also like quite a bit or at least consume quite a lot of is rice. Now, uh, Gohan. Yeah, I think like when it comes to rice consumption, like you can't beat Asia. I'm sorry, <laughs> like Asia's got it on lock. But but, uh, they, but the yeah. industry's not happy because why are toasts being put on anime uh, screens and computer screens and phones and tablets? And this trope exists. But what about rice? What, what, why? Why bread, bro? Yeah. So the Niigata Prefecture government has come out and is now promoting. Um, Onigiri Girl and a bunch of other rice products because what they're doing is they're blaming Toast Chan, Toast Girl, uh, for the declining consumption of rice in Japan. I have to read this headline word for word. Nagata government blames girl running with toast anime trope for decline in rice consumption. Let that sink in again. Like, oh my god, that is so funny. Also, like, yeah, okay, 
I kind of get it, but like, bro, like, this this it, this honestly feels a troll. Like, I'm actually going to read this word for word, for, which is reported in the Anime News Network. So they released a video that explained why they're releasing this 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 campaign, this rice campaign. Is it because of that one scene in anime? We wondered if there was anything in Japanese culture that explains the decline in rice, and the and our answer is the girl who's late running with toast in her mouth. Fucking bitch. Okay, that, that, that part wasn't what they said. But the standard trope shows the girl with toast in her mouth turning the corner and bumping into her destined one. There's a possibility that a repetition of these scenes over time have caused young people to associate breakfast with bread. And as Nigata specializes in rice products, they decided to, you know, they, they need to put their foot down and take action. So, so. Fuck bread. Rice is life. They now have Onigiri Girl and they've run all these campaigns. Featuring an actress named Manami Igashira. Yo, so that's the thing. It's live action and it's not anime. Yeah. I, I wanted to say that so badly. Like, okay, you say it's an anime trope, yeah. right? I, I get it because it is. I, I totally get it. And you being, you know, a pioneer or one of the forefronts of the rice industry in Japan, I also get that because I guess the image of bread associated with breakfast yeah it kind of makes sense this is not just an attack on toast chan this is also an attack on the anime industry the part of the show about the commercial as well is they make it a point they really have to drive home that like the girl with the onigiri in her mouth the rice is actually hand-grown and picked by her grandfather in niigata prefecture oh does he also have cancer oh who knows oh maybe he's on his deathbed and it's like oh Ah, uh, the one thing I could change in Niigata, Japan, is if only kids these days ate more rice. Oh, and and then they <laughs> they fast forward, they fast forward to uh the high school girl getting married to the love of her life, and then he's like, you know what? I realize you are the one when you were running towards me, not with a toast, but with a rice ball. Let's be let's be clear though, right? Japanese rice like. Short grain rice is fucking delicious. They're dope. It's really, really good. They're um, kind of sticky, but you, you get used to it. Yeah, especially with the food that you eat in Japan, like the really like nicely grilled oily fish pairs perfectly well with short grain rice. Now, I didn't know that rice consumption was on the down in Japan, but this just feels like a very specific attack on anime culture just so you can promote your own prefecture's rice products. And to make it even worse, your live action commercial is live action and not anime when you are kind of criticizing the anime trope itself yeah if they made onigiri chan like an actual anime short like okay like i could be down with it not to mention when the when the actress is running with onigiri in her mouth it looks uncomfortable as fuck it's a huge onigiri in her mouth like most of the time yeah toast ain't small either it's quite a mouthful but like just just go ahead. Like we we could link the news article, or you could just Google it. Right? And, and here's Google the thing: it. so they show like the live action of the actress running with onigiri in her mouth. Great. Then they pan to like her friend, I guess, that's in like the corner that is just watching all of this happen and eating another onigiri. So I'm just like, why? Okay, this is not even like critiquing the whole toast chan anime culture this is literally just them using it as a platform to create an ad campaign to promote their rice products which it, okay fine maybe that's how advertising and promoting products works basically i think they're trolling a whole bunch of people so people will look their way basically is how it is in fact what they should have done is have toast chan or someone with toast and then parallel that with the success story of 
girl with onigiri in her mouth. Basically, to be, to be fair though, after reading this, I I do want a bowl of Niigata prefecture rice. I'm yeah, but at the same time, it's it's just hilarious that literally the reasoning for them doing this campaign is we want to defeat Toast Chan. <laughs> we will take down the Toast Chan community and bring Rice Chan, Onigiri Chan. Let's take over not just Nikata but also Japan. Listen, we have gone over what we usually go over in the first half. But even though the world has gone to shit, just think about it for a sec. People are hating on toast because rice consumption is low. The U.S. Billboard Hard Rock chart is at least the number one as of whenever that was. Is uh, an anime opening. Is an anime opening. Uh, just. Like, what the fuck? Oh, all of a sudden, a badminton business league anime actually looks pretty good. What is going on, Will? Uh, we, we, we we need to take a break. Let's go get some onigiri, man. Or rather, let's get some sliced toast, and then we'll see which one runs better in our mouth. Oh, let's do a science project? Okay, I love this. Yeah, okay, we're going to actually come back and... Well, no, are we? Shall we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're hella going to come back, yeah. Okay, well, we'll sign up to our Patreon or follow no, us no, exclusively. No, 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 do, we, we, we don't will, have that we yet. We will release exclusive content of Toast Chan versus Origiri Chan. I will try to listen to the opening, though, I of, of Attack on Titan and and give you my, my take on it. Sounds good. Okay, let everything sink in, and we'll come back to you in just a couple seconds. Catch you later. second half of the good anime palette podcast this is episode number 27 i am your co-host jason i'm joined here by will and uh, i have to report in right after hearing the attack on titan opening uh song it's pretty good yep so just to give uh, full details the song is called the rumbling um performed by the japanese alternative rock band sim that's capital s lowercase i capital uh, m uh and uh yeah in two days time or at least i think by the time the episode releases the band will also be releasing the full song um live uh on february 7th um so it should have come out a day before this episode comes out i have to say though um it's hard rock as fuck it's incredibly hardcore it reminds me of parasite the maxim it's it's a good song i i really enjoy it and it makes sense why it's uh number one uh for the u.s hard rock billboard all right, so now that we have reported that, we are now going to get into our main discussion topic, which Will and I have alluded to at the very beginning of this uh, podcast episode. Our topic discussion this time around is about supporting casts. Yeah, so for the most part, whenever we talk about you know specific themes or character tropes or characteristics and personalities, we usually focus on singular characters, whether they're the MC or a specific character focused from any specific series. This time around, uh, we're going to be talking about a slew of characters that essentially provide the backbone of a specific series. Uh, now, we do want to at least clarify a slight difference. Um, so in some cases, you could call them a, a supporting cast. In other cases, you could call them an ensemble cast. Now, they still dictate that there's a group of characters that are in some way related to the progression of a story, the progression of a series, but there is a distinct difference between the two. The, the way that some people might consider it the same, I consider the two terms different. Supporting cast is really 
a cast of characters that support the lead main character, the lead MC. Makes sense. That's the name implied. So right. like you know, like your nar- your 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 Naruto's, your bleaches, your one pieces, those would be more like support characters. Cause because yes, they you know, the characters you know, outside of the main MC, like Luffy, Naruto, and Ichigo, they do have their own plots, they do have their own character progressions, but for the most part they're there to help enhance the appreciation and the the power scaling of the main characters. And a lot of anime live or even live action stuff, they have supporting cats in everything. Now, ensemble cast, on the other hand, is what I would consider less of a focus on any one particular character, and they develop all at the same time. Suradori Children is basically that. Yeah, you could also make a, a, a case for like a lot of other like slice of life things. Like for example, um, like Eurocamp is well. Yeah, there are two main characters, but you would say that like, like as a group together, they exist as the whole camping team itself like yeah you have nadashiko you do have rinshima who are the quote-unquote like main characters but it's not necessarily like they are the main focus there are going to be times when like you focus on the other characters and where they're all put together you kind of don't think that oh we have to focus on rin you have to focus on nadashiko you have you, you focus on everyone put together it's kind of also like a like chaos in a way um it's also similar to i guess like yes like a lot of other um kyoto animation stories like the more fluffy ones, you would say that whilst having a main character, it's the whole cast themselves put together that make the story, that make the theme. So when you think about a theatrical performance, I'm going to use this analogy. A supporting cast is the cast of characters that bow first and then the main characters bow last. In ensemble cast, I would argue that they all bow at the same time. So something like, here, I'm gonna ready for this time capsule, Will? River dance, I would say, is an ensemble cast. Yeah, you still get certain focuses on certain dancers, but really, it's the whole group. Whereas, you know, I don't know, like Hamilton, I guess, uh, there is a main character. There's a supporting cast that, you know, has other side stuff with. Like, uh, I guess as well, if you like, say, for example, like in the real music, like an orchestra, right? Like you have the conductor who would bow last because they're the one who put everything together, and so like you always have certain scenarios where you look at a cast and think okay their purpose is to enhance the overall appreciation of the main character and an ensemble cast everyone works together to enhance the plot to enhance the story there's really no like black and white definition of who the main focus is there may be, there might be times where there are but in, in the end it, it's all like a sum of its parts right uh i guess going back to anime and manga idol shows a lot of those shows are ensemble casts because oh shit q q is exactly cast, right yeah. there's there's a huge slew of characters each with their own trope and personas but you would consider them all the main characters so to speak and not the main characters at the same time so our episode this time around focuses on the supporting characters and not the ensemble characters. We will actually have an episode on that in the future where we focus on ensemble casts. So, Will, what is your thoughts on supporting characters in general? A lot of times whenever you have a wide cast, I mean, for example, like, Jesus, if we just talk about Naruto itself, like, Naruto has, like, well over, like, a hundred characters that aren't named Naruto. Um, so, like, you'll have, like, your Sasuke's, you'll have your, um, your Sakura's. No, 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 no. you have your Boruto, you well, have your Minato. No, we're not, we're not talking about, <laughs> we're not talking about that piece of shit, Boruto. 
If you like the next generation, like, sure, okay, whatever floats your boat. I'm not part of that. I'm an old head, unfortunately. I'm going to stick with the OG. Um, so you have like the different teams, right? You have like, Team Kakashi, Team 7, Team 8, and you have like all the villains and all that. But generally, all of them exist to be able to create hurdles or relationships for Naruto to, to venture through, to traverse through, and essentially grow as a main character. Now, I like using supporting characters because of the fact that there are times when you look at a main character and you're like, wow, like I really, really want to see what progression this guy goes through or this girl goes through, what they have to, what the, the challenges they have to overcome, what power ups they're going to obtain along their journey. Um, now, the, of course, there are going to be times when actually not even a lot of times, like most of the time, your favorite character of a specific series is not the main character. It may, in fact, be a supporting character or even like a very minor character. And it's all about the lasting impression that they make. Sometimes they may just be there as cannon fodder or they might be there just to basically create a stepping stone for the main character. But if they do a good enough job, they can at times outshine the appeal of a main character. It's just like how we did uh, an After Dark episode about villains a while ago where like sometimes people root for villains because they actually have more significance compared to the main character. It's in a similar vein here where supporting characters, yes, the the main point of them is to support, but you can still see their developments and their own personalities come through. And it's up to you as the viewer, as the consumer, to decide whether that effect is enough for you to shift your attention away from the main character and more focus and build an affinity and relationship with a supporting character. And sometimes it is not even canon in the sense that fans of a certain series would uh, group these certain uh, pairings together. For example, when it comes to love stories, like, oh, uh, even though the main character is supposed to have a relationship with this character, uh, I kind of like this main character with this person who is technically not the main love interest. But and it's not a theory or, you know, through line done by the mangaka or the author of the work i mean let's go back to the naruto thing right like who's your favorite character out of naruto because i can say mine completely easily because he gets fucking nerfed in shippuden so i feel really bad because i actually forgot the name but it's the shadow guy that guy was dope i also forgot his name too but my other favorite character is rock lee oh god yeah who could forget the rock lee gara fight like I mean, it, I I couldn't. That's it's literally the, the best fight in all of original Naruto. You get the ship again. There's some crazy shit there too. But Rock Lee made such a big impression on people because of the fact that we're talking about a character that doesn't have strong ninjutsu, doesn't have good, uh, good genjutsu, but he's a very good taijutsu fighter, which means he's very good at hand-to-hand combat. He was so popular. He basically the company decided to make a spin-off series called Rock Lee and His Friends. Right, like that's what you're talking about. Like sometimes when you have a Karen character being support, but with overwhelming affection from the wider masses, the company's gonna go around and say, "Actually, you know what? Like people really like this person. Why don't we make an offshoot series for that specific person?" And this is like one of the biggest cases where like the main character didn't get an OVA because you don't need to. He has enough of the spotlight. Why don't we give more focus to Rock? And there's other cases, there's other shows, like Clanat has the same thing as well. Uh, there's also, like, some of the Fate series. There's some characters that also get more uh, attention in OVAs or spin-off series. 
these happen all the time. Or it happens organically throughout the fans themselves, regardless of the created product in question. But I think a very, very good example of how a supporting cast outshines the main character is in a genre of anime and manga, light novels, all of that stuff, called harms. Ah, yes, the H word. Not the not the the, the eighteen plus H word, but this is the the parental guidance advised uh, H word. Harems are a very interesting topic. In fact, we probably even could just do like a topic specifically on harems. But uh, for the purpose of today's episode, a spoiler alert, will we we do? Yeah. So specifically for today's episode, this is just basically a a sub point uh, within a larger discussion about supporting casts. Um, harems are great. I fucking love harems. If they're done, if they're done well. Yeah, I was about to I was about to correct you on that. Yes, if done well, and I think the appeal of harems in general, regardless is very uh, conducive to the point that supporting casts are more important than the main, main character, the MC. Because usually these main characters, usually, uh, is a dude, and usually this person is pretty dense. Uh, and obviously the harem, the supporting cast of females, usually, they all have a different like character archetype. So if you vibe with a certain character archetype, obviously you're going to choose to root for that character over another. So think about, I guess a very good example is an anime that aired rather recently is Quintessential Quintuplets. And the whole con- the whole concept of that show is Guy is going to marry one of the five girls, but which one? And then there's all this back and forth, and then all these characters interact with one another. And uh, yeah, they it, the marriage happens and you find out who it is, but... The whole point for a lot of people is the journey of fighting over who is their favorite girl, who they would marry instead of whoever got chosen in the end. That is canon because that's not the right decision. This person is the right decision. You insert yourself into the anime or manga property and you project your tastes and your preferences onto the characters themselves. So there you go. Yeah. One of my personal like favorite harem series is uh very old school. Uh, love Hina? No. Uh actually I preferred uh I love Love Hina's really good. But I was actually gonna talk about Ichigo one hundred percent or Strawberry one hundred percent. Uh similar thing. Main character uh gets into a situation where he is looking for a specific love interest um because of a discovery. Um I'll talk about the discovery in the actual harm episode because it's a little bit uh, H material, but we'll go over that later on. Uh, anyways, uh, he then, of course, encounters a slew of different uh, characters, all who living under the same roof or in some way connected to the characters that he uh, converses with. And they all, like you said, have different archetypes. Some would be more like Garu, more Cindere. Some of them would be more like Ku or Dan, a little bit more shy, but they open up because, you know, the main character opens them up and is able to thaw that ice cold heart of theirs or is able to give them the confidence to speak up. Uh, then, of course, you're going to have... Now, I don't think there were any yandere's in Ishigo. It's been a while since I've watched it. Um, but yeah, generally, it's more to sort of accentuate the main character's communication and style, how they react to certain situations, how they foster relationships based on specific character types. Harems are essentially a wonderful way to really dive deep into the mind of how perverted and uh, how... 
how tasteful of a main character we're we're, we're watching uh, depending on the series. Right. So uh, we will focus uh, about uh, put a focus on harems at a later date when we decide it's, to. It, there's so much. There's so much to talk about. So there, it's as we said, it's going to be an episode in of itself. But uh, what I will say is because the MC in this case is very cardboard cookie cutter. It is then very easy to not only insert yourself and project yourself in the anime and manga, but also to choose, I guess. Exactly. It, t- it taps into that fantasy, right? More often than not, it taps into that male fantasy of, oh, I'm in a situation where I have a plethora of choice for love interests. Uh, I'm going to experience every single storyline and then at the end make a decision or maybe not make a decision, just enjoy whatever the fuck's happening. Some and the, sometimes the, sometimes characters don't make an affirmed decision on a harem. But of course, for the most part, there is always going to be one central love interest and all the other girls in the site are just competition. It's not also just male dominated. For example, another anime series that has, uh, I guess, a manga also and light novel is a uh, villainous isekai all routes lead to doom which is about a girl who is basically wooed by a bunch of dudes and girls so it goes both ways it it clearly does the point that we're trying to make is in those cases in these instances with harem in general supporting cast i would argue plays a bigger role than the main characters themselves so we will focus on that at a later date but i think it's a good point to make when we're talking about supporting casts. Yeah. Now, you remember earlier when I was talking about how certain like characters that gain popularity as a support character then garnered the attention of the wider masses and therefore it makes sense for the production companies to go ahead and make a spin-off series just for them, like Rock Lee, like certain characters from Clannad, like certain characters from Fates. Sometimes those series end up being as popular, if not more popular than the main series. Now, usually it doesn't. Though. Usually it doesn't. Usually it helps to foster more affinity towards the main series itself. But it's like if you've had enough, if you haven't had enough Naruto, you can watch this stuff. If you haven't had enough of the main Fate series, you can watch that stuff. But more often than not, like you said, they're just there to further popularize the main series. But that's not always the case. There are certain anomalies. Not many of which I have watched, but I think you have watched. So it has come to this point where I will need to mention one of the animes that I actually quite adore in general. Right. Actually, as part of that, then, you can put that in together as part of our series recommendations for good supporting casts. Yeah. Because this actually segues well with not only like a a surprising spinoff that is more popular than the main series, but it also makes it into your list of recommendations for a supporting cast series that people should check out. Right. So, but let me sort of provide a bit of context because we haven't even mentioned the property in question. So, there is a light novel series called A Certain Magical Index. It's really popular uh, and it spans like a long time with obviously, as you would hear, spinoffs. One of the spinoffs is called A Certain Scientific Railgun, where a supporting character in magical index becomes the titular main character uh she is called uh misaka and she is known as the railgun the thing that i'm trying to make is that this is a separate offshoot like a almost basically like a side story but the manga that is based on and is also written and illustrated by the same group of people that are affiliated with a certain magical index so a certain magical index is the main property 
offshoot being Railgun. Railgun is actually way more popular than Magical Index. And I really like Railgun. I don't give a fuck about Magical Index. Do you have any spoiler-free uh, spoiler explanation as to why the spinoff is higher ranked and more popular than the main series? Uh, I can give you the five-minute version, but there is also a 50-minute version available. <laughs> okay. So uh, I would argue that if you are interested in the the whole a certain you know blank series because it's not only just railgun and magical index there's also accelerator which focuses on the character named accelerator giguk actually did a huge video like way back in the day where he goes over everything and i do hear that magical index gets better i think there's a third season and it does progressively get better but in the beginning what i would say about magical index is main character is stupid uh the main female character believe it or not is a lolly nun so i'm like great um it's not really spoiler uh so lolly nun main male character his ability his power is to nullify all other powers whoa great who gives a fuck also like i think the struggle that is in magical index the conflict is actually not interesting to me uh and then I was like, Railgun is great. To the point where Railgun T, I think, which is the latest season, because Railgun S is the second season, and then there was like a seven-year gap. So I'm guessing Railgun S, S stands for second, and then Railgun T, T stands for third. We can only find out seven years later when they call it Railgun F, I guess. Then what happens to season five then? F-I, bro. <laughs> F2. F2, right. But... um. I really like the casts of a certain scientific railgun. And the trials and tribulations that they go through is fantastic. Uh, in this case, I think a lot of people agree because if you look at my anime list or you look on Reddit, no one really cares that much about my magical index, a certain magical index, but everyone cares about railgun. So I don't know, man. Like, I care a lot about railgun to the point where i would argue it is more important than the main parent series so railgun focuses on a supporting character from magical index that is now the main titular character in a certain magical railgun a certain scientific certain railgun. railgun so what about the supporting cast in railgun then oh they they don't show up in magical index right but i mean like what's so special about the supporting cast in a certain scientific railgun so in order to explain that, I actually have to explain kind of the reason why uh, it is called Magical Index and Scientific Railgun. Because in this universe, there is science and there is basically religion as the two main factions of power. Uh, the magical stuff is tied to religious re religious beliefs. It's your typical fantasy magic. Scientific Railgun is obviously based in science. So then there's these two forces, these factions that intermingle and have conflict. And that's the whole point of Magical Index, at least like at some point. Whereas in Scientific Railgun, which stars uh, Misaka, it's just what she does at the scientific town, the faction. And that's it. Uh, I think the main characters show up from Magical Index in Railgun as like kind of like Oh, I see. That's where the timeline is, or that's kind of cute. But that's it. Okay, 
So that would be one of your recommendations for a good supporting cast in an anime. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can go on, really. But uh, you really should watch a scientific, a certain scientific railgun because it's really, really good. It features a bunch of girls in high school, kind of Yuri undertones. One girl is super Yuri-esque. Uh, it's no it, fucking wonder you enjoy this shit, man. It's My Hero Academia, basically, but actually done in a way that is way, way more than I would give credit for, which is you would think that, oh, this person... Okay, I'm just going to go on a little rant. The main character, she controls electricity, right? Makes sense. Um, There's tons of, like, X-Men has a character that does that great. But if you were to take that logical step further, as in, what can I do with it? Oh, what if you can create a wall with electromagnetic fields? What if I can grab a coin and use electricity to project it at the speed of a railgun, hence her moniker? So they take powers and don't just use it as one-offs, but actually be like, okay, I have this power. What am I going to do with it? What can I do with it? And I really respect the way that they follow through on all these powers. So it's really cool. It's great. It's awesome. Nice. Okay. Well, on to one of my recommendations for a good supporting cast in an anime. I'm going to change up the order a bit, what I've written down here. Um, I'm actually going to start off with the comedy, uh, The Disastrous Life of Psyche K. So we both have like our own personal favorites for gag comedy series, right? Jason Reeve really likes Asobi Asobase, which I also really like too. But my personal favorite, and this is like not to slate on Asobi, it's just that Seki K came first, and I, oh, I really, really enjoy Seki K. So the premise of the story is uh, it f- features the titular character Seki K. Uh, he is essentially a psychic or an esper of sorts. He has he essentially has strong psychic powers, which means he's kind of like magneto professor xavier kind of like x-men powers he's able to manipulate time he's able to contour the 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 fabrics of reality Uh, i'm sorry will uh technically magneto only controls the power of magnetism so it's nothing to do with time or like it's to do with magnets and metal man are you really doing this no i'm not (laughs) we'll be right back No. So, if you would care to listen to the rest of the explanation, Jason, before you decide to jump in. What's up? He's a very powerful character because he's able to manipulate actual physics. He's able to create something out of nothing and nothing out of everything. No way. He will take away everything and also destroy you, you little piece of shit. (laughs) See, this is what happens when, like, I give you the spotlight and I let you say whatever you want. Go on a little rant about electricity, ray fields, and when I start talking about crazy shit that happens to my characters, apparently my shit doesn't make sense, and I have to explain why magnetism is actually part of this guy's superpower repertoire. But you don't care to listen for it because you have to come in and start spieling about, oh, magnets aren't psychic, blah blah blah. When I haven't even finished what I need to say. Why don't you just spoil the rest of Demon Slayer for me as well while you're at it? Nah, Why don't right. you tell me everything else? You seem to know all the things in or outs about anime and manga and all that. No, I don't. Yeah. 
I, I do like Psyche K though. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's this is not this is not your platform right now. This is my this is my time to talk. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Okay. So Psyche K is way better than Asobi Asobase because the character the, the the character is basically made way more funny and way more likable through the interactions with the supporting cast. Now he's a very stoic, coutere type character. Doesn't really give up much because of the fact that he wants to hide his Esper powers. He doesn't want to show off and let people know that he actually is the creator and the ender of the world he lives in. He could literally destroy everything around him, but also create something and create new life. Um, but he doesn't want to draw attention. He wants to be a super average, normal kid. He wants to score right in the middle of all school grades. He wants to perform right in the middle of all school meets when it comes to athletics or sports in general. Um, and he doesn't want to attract the attention of his female classmates. He doesn't want to date. He doesn't want to have anybody know who he is. He just wants to get through life. However, the characters around him are all incredibly dense and curious as to who this pink-haired character who wears antenna on his head and why he's just trying to like stay away from the spotlight. So you meet all sorts of cinderes and yandere's. You meet all sorts of klutzy, burly, like athletic meatheads, and you also meet some, you know rather interesting delinquents and rich boys and all that but through their own character interactions with psyche k you start seeing psyche start growing start becoming more familiar with human interaction starting to grow out his friend circle and also knowing how to essentially flesh out his own character he's not just a simple character that just sits around and just floats around with his magic powers and keeps it to himself. He also knows how to make friends. He knows how to create um, a sort of camaraderie within the school, even though he still stays on the sidelines. Uh, not to mention the comedy itself is also incredibly funny. Um, I just like it because each character that he interacts with are all very, very different from each other. They're, they're very much the extremes of each character type, each personality, even their day types as well. Because there are love interests, except that it's not so much that the main character is dense. It's just the fact that Sekiyate doesn't want anything to do with them. And, and the inverse happens in which the love interests are too dense to understand that this person is not interested. They just keep going back and back and back for it. Um, so the there's a total of two seasons on Netflix plus a six episode OVA just to wrap up the series um, because the series the manga series ended in 2018. And then there was the final six episodes that came out on Netflix uh, back in 2019. So it's all done and dusted. You can read it. It's done. done it's, it's published by Shueisha, uh, or you can watch all of it on Netflix. Um, it's a very easy watch. Um, it's kind of done like short episode style, but all packaged within the span of 24 to 25 minutes. So there's like four or five character stories in each one. Kind of if you watch Nichijou, it's similar to that, except Nichijou is um, a bit too erratic and, and wacky. For, for my liking, I think Jason would agree as well. There's parts where like comedy works in Nichijou, but for the most part, it it it's kind of it kind of falls flat. Psychic key for the most part, it keeps it consistent. It slowly ramps it up, ramps it down, and there are also emotional subplots as well. I want you to start getting into the second season. So overall, really good story, really good characters, um, and it all helped to further propel uh, my liking uh, for Psychic K. I also quite like Psychic K. To be very fair. Sorry, sorry, Will. For... Right. So you want to start, you know, talking about your own thing? No, no, no. no. Ten minutes, no, and then no. afterwards, when I talk about my next thing, you're gonna tell me that I'm wrong about certain no, things. No, 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 nothing. Um, I will say though, uh, when Will says that each quote unquote episode has four or five kind of mini episodes, 
it's very similar, I think, to like Teasing Master Takagi-san, for example, where uh, it's like skits or gags. And uh, the comedy style of Psyche K is very, very, I think deadpan is the word, would you say? Kind of? But yeah. uh, it is true that there is a lot of characters with a lot of different archetypes. And uh, the comedy is really good. And I quite like Coffee Jello in general. So there. Um, I think all of them are available on Netflix. Every episode's on Netflix. Yeah. I think like not region locked either because I think it's a lot of it was produced by Netflix. So go ahead, watch it. It's a good time. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there'd be much issue for you to pick it up and just watch a couple episodes. It's a, it's a very easy watch. All right. Um, my second recommendation for supporting casts actually is an anime that Will has consumed rather recently. It is Chihaya Fudu. Uh, Chihaya Fudu is about a certain uh, sport. Wait. Don't fuck it up, Jason. Kurata. Yeah, there you okay, go. Okay, there you go. Which is uh, played kind of on mats, and you have a bunch of, I guess, cards, and then there is a person kind of reciting the 100 poems, and based on the one that's being recited, you have to swipe the card on the opponent's side or protect the ones that are on your own for the one that is being read. I know when I tell you that, uh, that sounds hella unappealing. But I have to say, though, the cast of characters, which is kind of, there's like the main trio, basically. But I would say the supporting casts, especially when you get on to the later seasons, they really, really focus on sometimes devoid of the main characters even showing up and it is really good it's awesome it is based on the manga by kodansha it's in english uh published in english by kodansha i think there's like up to volume like 47 or something it's, it's what's a, the manga called chiafudu oh good good you didn't neglect to say that as well okay sorry it's based on the manga of, of the, the same, same name. name written and illustrated by yuki sutsuku <laughs> yeah okay sorry well okay fine sorry the anime adaptation currently has three seasons, and all anime seasons were produced by Studio Madhouse, with the second and third season having a huge time gap in terms of, like, real-time gap. But the quality never dips, and uh, it's just not only a very good character drama, but also a very good sports-oriented anime manga in general. And uh, I can't say nothing—I I can say nothing but good things, basically. My favorite character in the whole series is Kanada. Right. Kanada Oe. I, I mean, I just I, I like her character style. I like her the fact that she basically connects her love for the art of uh, Kurata, not through the card plate itself, but through the poems. And then because of the fact that she's a very traditional, cultural young woman, she also then feels that you know, in order for her to perform, uh, she also needs to wear the proper attire um, that is attached to this culture. And so she essentially wears her kimonos. Uh, and she looks fucking gorgeous, cute and shit in her one as well. Uh, I think they even have an episode where they all wear them, except that uh, it gets too hot because the windows aren't open and the AC doesn't work. So they end up all like, sweating and dizzy. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, I think that the um, the supporting casts definitely make a very strong impression. Because the thing with supporting casts as well is rather than having like a whole season or a whole series to flesh out your character, a lot of times characters like who are supporting casts have like maybe like 
four episodes, five episodes, or even like a shorter amount of time to really show the full scale of their character repertoire. And because of how quickly and how impactful it is sometimes, you then grow attached to those characters, which is why like as much as like Chihaya from Chihaya Fudu, Kanada takes best girl for me from that series. I also feel that when it gets on to the later seasons, and I guess later on in the manga, the amount of focus that is given to Chihaya and I guess uh, the other uh, two guys that are also, I would consider the main trio, is actually gets less and less. But at the same time, the quality of the story being told, the tension, the drama, has sometimes not only stayed the same, but has actually the stakes have gone even higher. So I really like the fact that when you can say about a certain series that, oh, this part, this huge section of the anime slash manga does not even focus on Chihaya, but it is so goddamn well produced and well done. That really says something to me personally about a certain anime or manga series or like novel series or whatever. The fact that the supporting cast can stand on their own without the main character and still be still be good it says a lot to me about the quality of the writing the acting the story character development and so on and so forth so Shihaya Fudu the all three seasons you should watch all of them that's my second anime and even manga recommendation but you should watch the anime the next recommendation I have probably has one of the largest supporting casts, um, at least within the recommendations we have from from my end. I think from most of Jason's as well, but that's not to say that it's any better or any worse. It's just the fact that when we talk about this specific series, we don't always talk about the main characters, especially since the fact that the main characters themselves are great, but the, 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 the whole slew of supporting characters in this show just are all eccentric, all fantastic, in a way a little bit better, a little bit more varied than what you see in Psyche King. So the series I'm talking about here is Gintama. Now, Gintama is an old classic, right? The manga came out in 2003 and only finished serializing just a couple years ago. And then the anime adaptation came out in 2006 and has been running for hundreds and hundreds of episodes. They have like, I think 200 episodes for the first season, and then they break it down into smaller chunks for the subsequent seasons, like Gintama Apostrophe, Gintama Interesting, Gintama something else. Uh, and then there were, a, I think, three different movies, right? The Gintama Part 1, Part 2, Part Final, whatever it is. There's just a lot of Gintama, and it's been running for over 15 years. I think it only just concluded last year. Um, it's a very celebrated property in Japan, um, but I think in terms of its comedy style, because of the fact that it's very intrinsically Japanese, sometimes some certain things don't necessarily translate into Western audiences. And I feel that that's, that's for the most part for a lot of Japanese comedy, but particularly for this one because of the fact that it's very meta, and it's also very self-referential to self-referential to the time period it's in. It's done in the Edo period, uh, and it also talks about certain people within like the actual real life IRL um, anime and manga industries at the time. So if you're not really well versed with like the, what the landscape looked like back in 2006 through to like the mid early to mid 2010s, then there might be a few things you miss out. But generally, 
everything starts making sense as, as soon as you start consuming more and more and more of Gintama. Now, of course, the main characters themselves, like, it's you don't really need to say much, right? Kagura, Shinpachi, and of course, uh, Gintoki himself, right? Like, the three characters, they're all wonderful. But what I wanted to focus on were, like, the other supporting assassins that come along in the supporting police force that comes in all those teams have such eccentric and varied character types that it just propels the type of humor that gintama has it's it's just a fun time i mean like i i'm still struggling to finish it all off because i'm think i'm around 100 150 episodes in and that's still not even finishing season one i mean have, have you watched any of gintama jason no all right. Um, are you just saying that because you have not watched any Gintama? Or I just... have not watched any Gintama, but I have a younger sister who has. And her journey, she consumes a lot of anime and manga. Shout outs to you. I'm not going to say your name, though, but you know who you are because I only have one younger sister. She went from, yeah, I'm just going to check this out to be like, hands down, Gintama is the best anime series of all time. You laugh, you cry, you it's like a whole thing of it in of itself. And I would say that similarly with, for example, Legend of the Galactic Hero, which is a 110 episode space saga. Gintama is one of those white whales that I don't know if I can ever conquer. It's 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 a it is a trek. I mean, in in the sense for why we're doing the Gotta Watch Them All series, where we're like, for example, you're doing JoJo. I am not gonna do Gintama. Gintama could be on the list. Oh, fuck. it could totally be on the list. But I know, like I said, it's it's tough. It's tough because of the fact that it's it it, it spans decades, dude. Like this is a very very long running series. Like with JoJo, at most you're watching maybe two hundred to two hundred to three hundred episodes. Similarly for me with the Monogatari series, but Gintama is like has been running almost as long as One Piece. Like you, I I can't do that to you, but you know, hey, it's out there. If you want to start this journey, go ahead. Because like Jason said, there are a lot of comedy hits, but there also are certain story arcs that are actually incredibly emotional and very on the edge of tear-jerking. And there are action sequences that I would not have thought that that would have been Gintama because I always associate Gintama with slapstick comedy and like reference. Gag comedy, right? Yeah. Like, you, you, you would not imagine the rhythm to put that much attention and focus into fleshing that out, but yeah. they, they do. And they then, do really well. And here's the crazy thing. At one point, I've seen footages because my sister showed me. It gets like self-referential and meta within itself. Like they're criticizing the budget that the animators had. So then they're like, oh, uh, we just blew our animation budget. So here's an episode of us in a room talking. And it's going to be a really good episode. But sorry, guys, we ran out of budget. So see, see you next week, guys. In yeah. Us- yeah. Like what? Okay. One episode, what they did was, I think they did like a rerun of like the first half of the previous episode, and then halfway through, they're like, "Wait, what the fuck was that? Why are we playing that?" Um. So, uh, Sunrise, the company that is animating the studio, had a bit of a delay, so we weren't able to blah blah blah. blah. I was like, "Wow, really? They're actually bringing in real life problems into the actual anime itself. Like, it could not be any more meta than that. The fact that they're bringing in real life like work problems into an anime problem." It's it's a fun time. And it makes sense. I don't know how else to say it. And the the 
Japan also agrees because Gintama the final, which to my knowledge is actually the finale movie of the whole Gintama saga, did extremely well, not only in terms of box office records, but in terms of critical acclaim and popularity. Because if you were to go on my anime list and check out, or, or even Reddit, for example, and check out like the top animes that are being discussed, Gintama is on there. And I think that when you talk about anime and manga in general, if you don't mention Gintama, like, or at least know of it, then what the fuck are you doing? Gintama is pretty much like in the same kind of threshold as like One Piece. I would even say like Detective Conan or Case Closed. Like, like in in terms of like the pantheons of anime history for Japan, Gintama like has a seat of its own near the top, if not at the top, along with a very 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 selective amount of series that Japanese people just put, keep close to heart. And I hope that it's also the same for you because I really, really enjoyed reading and watching Gintama. Let me just close the Gintama recommendation with this. There are documents, just like how the Monogatari series has different airing orders. There is literally a document that my younger sister showed me of these episodes are fillers. Don't watch them. Or you can watch them, but really, this is what you need to do. There are these intricate kind of laid out schematics and plans of how to consume Gintama. That is the effort that the community is so passionate about with Gintama. And you just got to hats off to them, right? Like You could also just do what I did and just watch everything. I think no matter how you approach Gintama, you will find a level of appreciation for it. Even if you're not too well-versed in specific meta humor or like Japanese culture, it still hits the right notes in terms of an overall package of comedy, action, and sometimes in like emotional impactfulness. If you watch Gintama and nothing else for the rest of your life, I will still give you mad props. I mean, that's what I, kind of what I did with when I just did nothing but read One Piece for three months. Exactly, right? Like One Piece or Gintama can be anime slash manga for you in of itself. So it's, it's one of the greatest journeys you can go on. It's just like one of those things. I mean, like, who knows like how long this anime journey for us is going to be. But it's like, I'm glad that like I've done One Piece. I'm glad that I'm doing parts of Gintama. I mean, for you, Monogatari, like what you picked up on a whim. And it's now like one of your favorite series of all time. It's just one of those things where like you you don't just appreciate the, 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 the main theme, the main topic. It's like, certain characters like speak to you as well. It's like from, from, from Monogatari. I mean, there's, there's definitely a slew of supporting characters from Monogatari that basically like propels your love for the series. I'm not sure if it's one of your recommendations, but hey, look, like that's another one that could be on your list. Um, so it, that, that, that's that's it for Gintama. Any any final words for yourself, Jason? Wooden swords. Yeah, OP as fuck. We talked about that in previous episodes. We did. Yeah. Okay. So um, that was my long winded explanation as to why I love Gintama. Now for Jason's long winded explanation as to why he loves the next. Series recommendation. Uh, first off, Will, we need to order. Yeah, I got it. Don't worry about right, that. Cool. Okay, we were talking about this because uh, we're both hungry as shit and we want to order food. So, yeah, we got this under control. On to Jason for his third recommendation. So I consumed this anime series over a long, long period of time, and it's not complete, but the manga is completed. But I would say Will has encountered this sports anime slash manga series you know quite recently oh 
quite possibly okay. Like if we're not talking about the old heads, I know that people are going to say Slam Dunk, but okay, I love Slam Dunk. I yeah. watched it from beginning to end. I did not read the manga, but it's good. Like if we're talking about like this century, like when did Slam Dunk end? It, it, I I knew of it from the eighties and nineties. Like it definitely ended. I watched or, it as a kid, so I don't really know actually. Right. So like, if we're just talking like in the last 10, 15 years, Haikyuu is probably the best sports anime there is, right? Absolutely. I, I, I mean, like, I'm not into sports. Anime. I've said many times I was never really that into sports anime, and that all changed with, with Haikyuu. And like, thank you, Jason, for showing me the light. I really oh, – God. I still need to watch to the top. Yeah, you do. Yeah. It's great. It's 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 going to be a fun time. But, like, ending up on the hype that was season three, like, I'm I'm fully ready – um, to hear as to why you love Haikyuu and why its supporting cast is one of the best in anime. So uh, for context, Haikyuu is a manga series that was published in Shonen Weekly Jump. It, it's, oh, it finished and it is based and written and illustrated by Haruichi Furudate. And, and your pronunciation is going on point today. I, 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 I try, bro. What happened? I don't know. Must have been that magneto power, huh? Dude, the, the magnets in your head are working now. It's great. You know, they they repel each other, so that's 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 why it works out. Right. But did you ever read any of the manga? I took it I took a look right. through them, but it's one of those things where like for example, one of the most recent um music anime that I consumed that I really like is Sounds of Life. Kono Oto Tamare. And the reason why I will not really consume the manga is because when it comes to musical animes, the music is a huge part of it, obviously. So when you can't hear it, when there's only just visuals, it really is hard to really grasp the significance of what is being played, for example. Yeah. Like you, you get monologues, but like it's the audio part is like a huge part of it. I would say with sports, having it in motion with the sound and the orchestra, or like you know, the orchestral soundtrack, it makes the audience cheering in the background as well, right? You could see maybe it's like a slap shot of like someone kicking a ball, or like I guess in like a fighting like anime or a fighting uh, manga, like having like still shots of like a fist being clenched and like connecting with someone. It's like yeah, it works, but when you see everything in one fluid package, like that further like accentuates the euphoria you get. From a hype sports moment. I mean, it makes sense even in live action, real life situations where if I were to give you the play by play like a website, because sometimes you can't watch the live stream, it is just words and you're just like, okay, cool. But when you're there in the stadium hearing all the music, all the crowd cheering, all the hype around it, it makes a huge difference. That's why home and away teams are such a huge difference. And in Haikyuu, it is about volleyball particularly about a certain school that kind of doesn't had its glory days how do you pronounce the high school name because even the characters in the anime don't know how to pronounce it either kurusawa kurasuno kurasuno fuck what did i say kurusawa what is kurusawa Kurosawa. Is, is that the, like the seven I think, samurai I, I think yeah fuck off jason <laughs> fuck you you were so good. You almost got there. <laughs> Third right. time's the charm in the opposite direction, right? Right. But okay. Haikyuu is fantastic. It's a great show, but I agree with Jason that its supporting cast is S-tier. Because, <laughs> yes, you have a titular main team that you focus on. But I will say this. For example, the latest uh, anime season, which is called To the Top, there is a section of that anime series 
that actually does not focus at all with the main team in question. It actually pivots to another team. And I would argue that this team is also very, very cool, charismatic, and very important to the main storyline of Haikyuu. But you get all these different teams, and all these different teams have kind of their shtick, right? You get the you get the wall, right? You get the cats. You get, I mean, what's Abi Joe say? Like, kind of like just good setter, right? Yeah, they 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 all have like their specific character types. They have their specific edge when it comes to playing in this volleyball league uh, amongst all the different schools in the region, and then eventually nationals. And it's just really, really well done. They kind of go expand onto different teams. When you, as I said earlier. When you care about the supporting casts a lot without the main cast, that tells how powerful this series or that particular series is. When I care, when you pivot to another team completely and you talk about them, if I give a shit about that and or like I get emotional or whatever, it's great. And so let's focus away from all the other teams and talk about the teams themselves because technically there are two main characters, right? Hinata and Kageyama, would you say, are the two main characters of Haikyuu? I mean, like they're literally like on every poster. Like you, it, it, They're the, the, the dynamic duo, right? Right. But I would say, for example, uh, there is a really tall person, really skinny tall person, and I don't like this character, but it has one of the best moments in all of Haikyuu the anime. And it happens in season three, that ten episode series. No, that, that could be like a tear drinking moment as well. Just seeing the level of exhilaration in that episode from a supporting character's perspective. Um, I mean, one of my favorite characters is Nishinoya. I love him. Like when he does that kick, let's just say, yeah, fucking fantastic. Or the quote unquote it, it, ace, right? Yeah. The eight, that's here's the thing, right? And, well, enter inspirational haiku quote right here, right. right? Like I will, I will, I will save every ball there is as long as you set the point and win. It's like okay, yeah, that's that's it, right? Like everybody is there to be able to propel Hinata to score that winning point, or Kageyama to 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 help set the ball to score. And here's the thing. Will and I agree on this point. I don't give a shit about Hinata, really. He's not. He's not. He's not a bad character. You you can like him, but it's like he's very stereotypical cookie cutter kind of like shonen MC. And his journey into the top is actually really good because there's actually development. But in terms of like pantheon of characters in Haikyuu, I don't really care about Hinata, really. Yeah, but I care. It sounds harsh. It but... sounds harsh. And I have nothing against him per se. It's just because of the other characters have a lot more significance to us as opposed to Hinata. You know that you're supposed to root for Hinata. So that by default means that you kind of dock a few points from like rooting for him. Like You know he's going to succeed at some point. But the other characters, there's no guarantee. Right. So if you want, you can read the manga by Viz Media. It's all complete. I think there's like 40-something volumes. Let me see. 45 volumes. Now, that's a journey, yeah. And then uh, the anime has four or five seasons, depending if you count to the top as one season or two. And then they're all produced by Production IG. I, A lot of people said that to the top, the quality of the animation dipped a bit. And while I kind of agree, I think the character moments into the top, especially the second half, but also the first half, is 9 out of 10 for the first half second half is a 10 out of 10. I just got so emotional. It's it's really a great show. It is just 
there's so much that you can relate to in real life, your struggles, you get the talent versus the effort, you get the 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 top dogs versus the bottom rung people, the underdogs, you know. So all these tropes that you would consider generic are done so well in Haikyuu. Will, do you have anything else to say before we move on to you? Fucking watch Haikyuu. What are you fucking doing? We've done so many episodes on Haikyuu already. This okay. is already like one one whole year into the fucking podcast. We did sports. We mentioned that. What yeah. else? Uh, we did uh, some other main character tropes. Oh, no. I, I did top 10 animes to recommend. I yeah. said Haikyuu. Yeah, and that was like the, fir- what the first series we episodes we'd done. So, like, yeah, it's been a whole year of recommending Haikyuu. Like, dude, fucking watch it, man. And guess what? I will keep recommending it. Any opportunity that I get. Until the whole world has watched or consumed Haikyuu. Or at least the anime is finished to completion. But yes, yes. Now moving on to my personal, one of my personal favorite series of all time. And I know it gets a certain level of flack because the fact that the first couple episodes do take some time to, to grow. I've heard this. I've experienced it myself. I'm talking about none other than Steins Gates. I, I, okay. Steins Gate is one of the greatest greatest series of all time don't at me you can fight me in the comments i won't fight you in real life because i don't want to get hurt but we can have a have a have a intense discussion on reddit on twitter or whatever you want or on our discord server exactly uh we'll link you to the code later on at the end of this episode when we do our cleanups so Steinsgate is a science fiction thriller uh set in japan done by white fox uh and it's part of the whole science first so there's a couple other series in there like chaos head uh and um some other stuff i forgot, I, I forgot oh, to... robotics notes yeah. yeah that's another one too i forgot to add the semicolon My yeah bad. <laughs> Right, <laughs> just to correct me, right? Like it, it is it is Stein's semicolon gate. No, I'm not correcting you. I'm just saying, like, I actually forgot to put the yeah. semicolon. And, we we and, forget. We forget. And that's a tragedy because it's very important, actually. Yeah. So it follows, you know, two main characters: Rintaro, who is the crazy mad scientist, and Kurisu, who is one of the epitomes of what it means to be a sundere. Um, now they're wonderful characters. You definitely like fall for their their whole like love dynamic partner and friend dynamic um, especially as the series progresses and when we get into steins gate zero however the supporting cast for this series is one of the greatest put together casts because it again it focuses on individual stories personal growth tragedies grief uh and of course you know wishful thinking and you know having the confidence to be able to break out of one shell um there are certain characters which i can't name because if i do it's a spoiler unfortunately um except there is one character uh in terms of the whole supporting cast which i love and she is second best girl for me and that is none other than mayuri mayuri shina because she first of all she's she's voiced by does she wear a dress yes blue is she blue yeah there you go yeah and guess who voices her i don't know Kanahana. It's fucking Kanahana. There you go. <laughs> right? Oh my god. I I fucking love Mayuri. If people are simping over Kurisu, fine. Do your thing. But I am a Mayuri simp. So have that on record. Uh, she's one of the best supporting characters because she helps to ground the main characters, keeps their feet level so that they don't go off and do stupid erratic shit when things go off the rails. Other main characters like would probably, you know. To try and level themselves? No. The supporting characters are the ones who come in and say, look, the world is a bad place right now. Just stay calm. Stay level-headed. Don't do anything stupid. And we will all get through this together. 
happy and alive. It's 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 just a very emotional story. I I don't know how else to describe it other than the fact that it because of the interactions between Jintaro and the supporting characters, you don't care too much about you care a lot about him in Sensei Zero for sure. But generally, you just you help root for all the supporting characters. The fact that like of the whole series, my favorite character is Mayuri. Like, oof. Like, I I have nothing else to say other than. If you love science fiction, if you love psycho thrillers, if you just love seeing characters develop over time, like slowly, slowly, slowly build up and then boom, halfway through greatest character developments, this is it. This is like, there's a reason why it's in the top 10 of my personal favorite anime of all time. Um, I guess not much else to say other than the fact that just like Jason with Haikyuu, I'm going to remind all of you to please check out Steins Gates. It is not boring. So despite the fact that I have not seen it, I will support Will in terms of giving some facts. So Steins Gate actually is originally the source is a visual novel of the same name, which is developed by 5PB and Nitro Plus. There, as Will mentioned with like Chaos Head, it is a slew of different... Um, I guess, iterations or, or, or something like that. Uh, furthermore, Steins Gate, as Will mentioned, has also Steins Gate Zero. And then I think there's like several movies. There's a Steins Gate movie, and I believe there's now a Steins Gate question mark, question mark, question mark. As in, there's some, supposedly a new property coming out from the from the 5PB team, but we don't know much about it yet. But they did say that there might be a continuation of certain voice cast members. Who knows? Nothing is concrete yet. Right. Steins Gate is 24 episodes, I think, or at least two curves, and Steins Gate Zero is similar with two curves as well. Yes. And they are all produced by White Fox or... White Fox. Okay. And it's it's gorgeous. Fucking beautiful. So Will earlier mentioned about the early episodes of Steins Gate proper, as in Steins Gate. Uh, I have to kind of say that... Uh, I watched maybe the first or second episode maybe twice. And, and it turned you off, right? It totally turned me off. Not because it was bad, but it wasn't like what I was thinking based on the accolades that it got. The fact that it's like top rated anime of all time on my anime list and like not only critically, but also like popular, popularly like it, it vouched for by everyone in the world. And then you see it and you're like, Wait, am I watching the same thing? Because I went through the same thing too, but I stuck through it. Well, I mean, I stopped and then I got back to it. And then that's when it was like, okay, this is it. This is why it's so popular. But I understand that mountain at the end to overcome, it is quite a bit. I understand that. It's just like JoJo part one with a lot of people, right? Everyone, you know, prays to high heavens what JoJo Bizarre Adventure is. Like, it's like a godsend. And having gone through even a little bit past what I usually would go through like three or four times already, it's great already. But to overcome that hurdle, you really need to kind of stick through it. The other thing that I would say about this is that Steins Gate is actually a science fiction anime. And I don't think it's spoilery to say um, it's about time travel. Not at all. I mean, like all the trailers, all the previews about it are all about time. Um I've had a lot of times when we're talking, I say time a lot. Yes, you do. Uh, yeah. Usually whenever we talk about 
science fiction, time is a pretty like important proponent of what makes the series, what makes the property. Um, so yeah, please spend some time to check out Steinsgate. It is definitely going to be an enjoyable amount of time or good use of your time. Yes. Then now, next time, <laughs> now it's time for Jason to go over his fourth recommendation. This anime that I'm going to recommend is based on the light novel series of the same name written by Ryogo Narita and illustrated by Suzuhito Yasuda. There. Nice. Uh, there, I think there is a total of technically two seasons, but the second season is split into three parts. Uh, Will and I have consumed season one, and we have also consumed the first chunk of three of season two. Uh, this is Durarara. I can't really tell you the plot of Durarara because it's really weird. All I can tell you for a fact is that it takes place in Tokyo, specifically uh, Akibukuro? Ikebukuro. Ikebukuro, which is kind of basically the the new Shibuya because no one gives a shit about Shibuya anymore. So, sorry, Shibuya. I mean, like... I think a, a series that came out a couple seasons ago, like Ikiro, uh, Ikibukuro Westgate Park. No one's talking about Shibuya now. It's either it's either like Shinjuku, Ikibukuro, or it's some boonie town. Or Akihabara, like, I guess. Uh, Akihabara, yeah. Akiba, yeah. So, uh, Durarara technically has three main characters who are high school students. One girl, two guys. Obviously, the main, the, the, the 3 formula is always one girl, two guys. But... I would argue that their kind of story is not that interesting compared to even the I would consider the mascot of Durarara, which is a person by the name of Selti. And she is kind of like this urban legend of a horse uh, a headless horseman basically, but modernized. So she is a headless She's a motorcyclist. She, she's a living urban legend, essentially. And just just to clarify one thing as well, on my anime list, they do list Salty as a main character. However, if you actually watch the series, that's not an accurate depiction at all. Right. It's very clear that there are three main characters, uh, which are um, Sonohara is one of them. That's the name of the girl, Anri Sonohana. Um, Orihara, uh, which is uh, the black-haired boy. Uh, and then uh, Kida. Uh, Masami Kida, uh, who is the blonde uh, in the team. So those are the three main characters, and then everyone else is a slew of varying importance, but still very much impactful supporting characters. I will just say that I will say this about the amount of characters. When you look at the opening title sequence of season one, it is like, why are there like? 16 20 different characters being introduced there's a there's a there's a a, 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 a dark-skinned russian sushi owner there's a awesome guy, guy who's able to rip up telephone poles and beat ship people up oh he's and, a bartender and all of a sudden there is like uh two like hollywood stars who fake their own deaths but then when they come out they're driving ferraris around the world committing crime and all that and uh, there are three random guys uh well a girl and two guys in a van and that's like a big deal. There are like assassins. There's like a dude that's wearing a gas mask at all times. Mm-hmm. There's a doctor. There's a mad doctor and like an even madder brother. Yes. 
<laughs> and like there's this one mastermind that lives like in the top of the skyscraper who just stirs shit up but he's also incredibly powerful he's basically like the the, the brain and like because of the fact he's the brain he knows everything that happens in ikubukuro nothing is out of his grasp i think that this show is fantastic because it really kind of cements the reality that the world is trying to set which is this feels like a living place where like oh i will go to the sushi place and visit the big black guy that like really does sushi well but can also beat the fuck out of you but he's also like russian for some reason as well and he, he decides to do russian sushi but he's also like like if you want to talk about the real dark depths of downtown japan downtown tokyo like and, i'm in there and they don't shy away from that oh by the way there are zombies kind of and there are like mystical shit they are like people in head jars at yes, one point. This this is one series. This there, is one whole series. There's okay. Frankenstein, I guess. Yeah. 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 Actors it, are all act like people who are actors in the world shows up. Like And we haven't even talked about the three main characters yet. One of which can you know, actually has like crazy superpowers as well. But like that's not your focus anymore. Like Jason said, there's so much shit going on in the world of Durarara's Ikebukuro that you could just enjoy that world. You don't have to get that deep into the main character's world. And here's the thing. Celti is, as Will said, is I would say it's the mascot, would you say, of Dorarara? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Just like how people like would say Rock Lee is the greatest in Naruto, I would say that Celti is like the de facto face of the Dorarara franchise. I give a lot of shits about her and her development and her interactions with a lot of people. And here's the other thing too. Everyone kind of knows everyone or like you can do like six degrees of separation and they really like spend time on everyone. The best part about Celti as well, she does have a dairy type. You should watch to find out which one she has. And is actually quite cute. I, the, I the, fucking love her. The romance is, is, is great. So I honestly think that Durarara is fantastic and um the first season which is two curse is produced by ba- brains base in 2010 and season two was produced by suka in 2015 slash 2016 because as i mentioned earlier it is 36 episodes but 12 12 12 split into three parts and it's really good super good I'm going to not spend too much time talking about my next one because I've said it so many, so many times. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure has some of the best supporting cast ever, uh, and they're always changing from every season. Uh, Jason can already vouch for season one. There's some pretty interesting supporting characters, and it only grows from season two, three, four, five, and now currently six, which is now airing on Netflix. Hopefully the next part of season of this season will come out soon. Um yeah, I, I got nothing much else because the fact that each character has their own like like powers, their own like stands, and each stand is a further extension of the characters themselves. And then like through that, like the supporting characters have supporting powers, which then have supporting stories, and it all be- like blends into this crazy, crazy, bizarre world that is JoJo. I don't need to say anything else. Like, I rather we just spend more time talking about other things because. Yeah, I could have recommended anything else besides JoJo, but I just have to hammer home that in my eyes, and a lot of people's eyes as well, and hopefully when Jason starts to progress through more of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure... Which we will this this podcast season. That this whole series has some of the best supporting characters of all time. And 
without further ado, drop the mic. Move on to Jason's final recommendation of the best supporting cast in anime. Actually, before that, I will say JoJo also has a very good example of the spinoff series being maybe not better than the quote-unquote parent series, but is relevant, which is Rohan Kishibe, right? Which is also really good, too. Exactly, right? So, so good. It, when you hear, like, spinoff series, you usually, like, go, like, whatever or don't give a shit. But from what I've heard from a lot of people, including Will himself, Rohan Kishibe is a worthwhile side story. It's a good excursion, for sure. So... It's great. I can't wait to consume more and tell you guys all about it very soon, actually. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, the next and final recommendation from Jason's side, which I actually started picking up again uh, just yesterday. Uh, do you want to break it down? Bring in the final supporting cast anime recommendation? So, before I do that, though, Will, um, I'm going to have to give a bit of uh, something that probably only most of Hong Kong people would understand. There is a comedian called Stephen Chow. He directs, used to direct at least, and produce and stars in his own comedy movies. And when I was growing up, I watched a lot of his movies. Did you, Will, as well? Uh, I think I've watched like almost every single Stephen Chow movie. I mean, he did Shaolin Soccer, which I think is... He did Kung Fu. He, exactly, Kung Fu Hustle. So th that's, the I guess, the, the two movies that the West would know more of the movies that he has made, produced, starred. Um, there is one... I actually do not know the English name to this day. What is it? Do you know? It's like, it's Cooking God is Sixth Son. It's the God of Cookery. God of Cookery. My bad. Sixth Son. And it is a fantastic kind of spoof and parody of the food industry and being chefs. And one moment that I will always remember till the day I die is this one person taking a spoonful of this dish. This really big, burly guy takes a spoonful of this dish, eats it. Then the next thing you see is him wearing a dress, prancing around on the beach, kind of like explaining the texture and the flavor and everything. So, of course, anime has that equivalent. We're talking none other than Shogugeki no Soma, also known as Food Wars in the West. It is based on the manga of the same name, written by Yuto Tsukuda and illustrated by Shun Seki. It actually has ended quite a bit. It was uh, released on Shonen Jump, Shonen Weekly Jump, and I think Viz Media obviously does the English uh, publications, I think. Yes, 36 volumes. The anime adaptation is complete with five seasons, all produced by JC Staff, and I have read slash watched i did not watch the last season but i'll get to that but i've read all of it furthermore like furthering the whole like over exaggerated reactions uh to like eating wonderful food food wars is essentially visual food porn the and, the reactions are over the top loot as shit at times actually a lot of times and with good reason i mean it's 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 just basically like making fun of itself. It's not meant to be taken seriously, but the food part can be taken seriously because they do a lot of research and a lot of like actual like prep like preparation into actually creating a certain dish that utilizes specific ingredients, specific styles. Um, and but the comedy part is just oof, primo mm. stuff. The mangaka actually consulted like a kind of like a specialist or had like an advisor to kind of instruct them on the cuisines and everything that would take place in the manga slash anime. I would also say that 
If you like MasterChef, for example, Shogugeki no Soma is basically anime MasterChef because uh, Shogugeki no Soma, also known as Food Wars, takes place at a school, but instead of your typical curriculum, it revolves all around food. Then you get all these titular side characters, and I call them titular side characters because they all have their own shtick, they all have their own cuisine, and their interactions with each other are fantastic. Yeah, I forget about the fact that the Japanese title itself is Shukukeki no Soma. It's, I mean, yes, the main character's name is Soma, but all the side characters are incredibly memorable. They are all funny as shit. I don't think that you would have any problems watching Foot Wars. However, I do think that Jason does have something to mention about the latest season, or the final season. So the final major arc of the manga and the final season of the anime known as season five of the anime you should not watch period you should just stop at the end of season four and if you are at the manga if you're if you're reading the manga it's very obvious where you should stop because basically it should have ended there it would have been a really good ending but i guess they wanted to milk a little bit more or i don't know or maybe tell a bit more story or context but it was shit. I I, I can't tell you because of spoilers, but I can tell you at least from the anime perspective at the end of season four is where you should stop and just pretend that season five does not exist. Or I think in season five, it's called the final plate or whatever. So yeah, that's my feelings on Shogeki no Soma, aka Food Wars. Will, I mean, you- yeah, despite the final like season gripe that you have, right? Like, Everything else before it is fun. Like when I first watched it, I was like, "This is incredibly weird," and I like it. It's 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 exaggerated. It's risque. It's lewd as fuck at times. Like there are parts where it's like very. You don't think it needs to be, but like that's the whole appeal about the show. Like sometimes you forget that it's about food. Yeah, like basically you take a spoonful of food and your clothes rip off and you're naked. But let me also tell you that it's gender neutral because yeah. both guys and girls had their clothes ripped off so everybody has eye candy every, for everyone everybody has their moment especially where it's like one of them it's like oh like this food is really really great and then all of a sudden like the human embodiment of that very food shows up and you're like lusting over them it's like this is incredibly fucking stupid but i'm here for it i want to see more of this there is a godzilla reference there is a jojo reference there are so many references that they make of all these anime and manga properties. And it goes to show that they really love anime and manga and celebrate it this time with a little bit of entree as well. So I think you should watch Food Wars. It's massively popular. If you haven't considered it, you should because there's always going to be a character or two that you love. The final recommendation I have is a classic. It's like a, it's a titan within the anime and manga community, but unfortunately, because it's such an old property, I do understand that there's going to be some people who maybe don't vibe with the art style for both the manga and the anime. I'm talking, of course, about one of my personal favorites and one of Jason's personal favorites, Monster. Now, Monster is a very classic psycho thriller came out back in 2002 i think no 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 no. that was the no, no, 1994 from the incredibly awesome naoki urasawa 
who has done 20th Century Boys. Uh, he's also done, um, what else did he do? He Pluto. Did, yeah, Pluto as well, which you've recently finished. And I really like Pluto a lot. Yeah, the manga is 1994 and finished up in 2001, over 18 volumes. The anime was done by Madhouse uh, and started in 2004, ran to 2005. So uh, a consecutive release of 74 episodes to wrap everything up. I read the manga. I was able to get my hands on it, but I can recommend you go either route. I think the pacing is a little bit slower in the anime for some reason, but it speeds up later on. So it focuses on um, a certain doctor. Uh, His name is Kenzo. Uh, He's a brain surgeon uh, who was working in Germany. Now, unfortunately, because of the hospital he works at, there's a lot of political shit that goes on behind the scenes. Um, His wife does have some pull uh, with regards to the... um, what for girlfriend? I forgot. His, his, his partner essentially has some romantic, has some ties with German politics, uh, which means that sometimes he doesn't have the freedom to be able to actually save lives. He has to prioritize certain things, certain people. Uh, and then, of course, he runs into uh, a situation where he needs to save the lives of two people, uh, namely Johann Liebert and Anna Liebert. Um, one of them has a serious ailment. One of them is going through some real serious psychotrauma. And from that unfolds a whole slew of crazy mystery, thrilling moments, deception, betrayal, violence, and just in general, just shock horror. It's a fucking wonderful time. And it's further accentuated by the cast that comes along the journey of Kenzo. All the supporting characters, whether he meets them in Japan, in in, in the US, in, in Europe, they all play a significant part of the monster journey. There is no character that is left untouched, left unturned. They all have significant impact on not just not just the 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 ascendance of the character but the ascendance of the story um it, it's just a freaking wonderful time because everybody has their own thriller moment and whether they make it out alive or not you just want to know more about their individual stories i would say that the manga is just so beautifully crafted from beginning to end it is amazing and it goes to show how Sometimes a certain decision can be made and the ramifications of it goes out of control beyond your wildest dreams. And I will not spoil the villain, but I would say that that villain is just, dude, like, if that person was standing in my doorway, I would freak the fuck out. But I will say that I can't say much about the anime because I didn't watch it. I read it when I was a kid, a teenager, read it in traditional Chinese. Um, I will say though, there is at one point that um, gotta say like for like, particularly the Hong Kong now, at least Hong Kong and Taiwan, Greater China in general, extremely popular. People, extremely. people really love 20th Century Boys. People really love Monster. I Pluto, have, Pluto is like it's maybe a little bit more sort of niche, but you know it's still part of his repertoire. When I got grounded and my mom had to throw out all my manga. I pleaded with my mom not to throw out 20th Century Boys and I had to choose between 20th Century Boys or Monster. I chose 20th Century Boys. But man, that that decision was hard to make. And uh, it's yeah, of course. I mean, the fact that it could have been anything else, but it's the fact that it's both by Urasawa. Yeah. Like, that I was, was like, oh, Doraemon? Yeah, sure. Take that. I mean, it sucks, but yeah, sure. Go like ahead. My Game Boy, take my Pokemon Red. Fine, whatever. But leave the manga behind, please. Oh, Love Hina? It's fine. Don't worry about it. It sucks, but yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, 20th Century Boys? 
you should stay. And I was really devastated by losing uh, all of Monster, but I'm sure I can get it now if I want to. But I think at one point, the brain surgeon arms himself at one point. Yes. I think midway, not even midway, like quite early on, actually. No, no, I thought it was quite late, actually. He 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 doesn't arms. He basically he's able to acquire right. arms, but then later on is like made a calculated decision to go and actually procure arms. And that moment is like a huge, huge deal, which is crazy because when we're surrounded by anime and manga, that's all about crazy violence, instant gratification, beheading and stuff. The violence in Monster. Is super psychological. It's very I mean, muted, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, there it is, like, has violence, quote-unquote. But really, when your main character doesn't get a, a certain, you know, thing to protect them himself with, and the fact that he had to spend an exorbitant amount of effort to get it, then had to learn how to use it, and they don't shy away from any of that, really puts into perspective the kind of realistic tone that the manga is trying to have and the anime is trying to have and kind of just everything is grounded in reality that it can happen to you. Okay, you may not be a brain surgeon, but similar consequences can happen. The best part about this as well is that while it is a journey, it's not the longest of journeys. It's only 18 volumes, which if you compare it to stuff like Haikyuu, Haikyuu is like almost three times at like 45, right? So you you really do like you really do have a cutout for you where like it is one of the most thrilling stories and it's all in a neat package where it doesn't go on too long. It does just enough to build certain stories, build, build certain characters and the the supporting characters, no one they nobody else says you're welcome. They're there for like the, the duration of time they are, whether they live or die, and it's it's just great. I I can't I, I can't recommend it anymore. Please pick it up. Please watch it. You will not be disappointed by Monster. All right. So just to reiterate in terms of our recommendations for best supporting casts in anime and manga. Supporting uh, cats or supporting casts? Casts. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Is, are we doing a Neko-chan episode in the uh, future? I'm, we, we actually might do a cat girl. Oh, I don't, don't, don't discount that bullshit. Shit. Okay. So uh, I recommended a certain scientific railgun, Chihaya Fudu, Haikyuu, Durarara, and Food Wars. I got Psyche K, Gintama, uh, Steins Gates, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, and, of course, Monster. All right. So a little housekeeping. You can always reach us through our email, gapallet at gmail.com. That's G-A-P-A-L-E-T-T-E at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word. You can also contact us on Twitter using the handle at palletgood. That's capital P and capital G, all one word. We have a Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash palletgood. Capital P, capital G, all one word. You can also join us on Discord. We have a Mal Club. Uh, we had a member join us. That was kind of interesting. Uh, Will knows this person personally. Um, if you're listening, can you please reply to me? I kind of want to chill with you, talk to you a bit. But hey, um, music credits for this episode. Oh, actually, sorry. If you want to hang out on Discord, please do. If you want to be on the Mal Club, please do. Just look in the show description or email us. We'll give it to you. Absolutely no problem. Music credits for this episode. Our intro music is No Cry by Fashion. Our break music is Be Right There by Omie. And our outro music is Future Vise by Q. 
Our music was provided courtesy of EpidemicSound.com. If you're interested in using Epidemic Sound as a service, we will have a referral link that is provided for you in the show description. All right. This was an actual tough episode to do because of the fact that a lot of the shows we watch have great supporting casts. Like Again, the five that Jason recommended, the five that I recommended, they're not just the only shows out there. We, of course, are limited by time, but... Look, you look through any series that you watch, don't just focus on the main character. Don't just focus on the journey or the theme of that specific series. Like, Really try and build up a relationship or an affinity for the side characters because they need love. They need focus. They need some attention as well. I also feel like the fact that usually when we go on our discussion topics, we spend a good amount of time you know, discussing the theme or the origin, the definition so on and so forth. But this time around, even though we do have a bit of that, we spent a lot of time really talking about the, our recommendations themselves because we really feel that the whole point of supporting actors is they're kind of behind the scenes a bit comparatively to the main characters. I mean, that's their whole quote-unquote purpose. That's, but, yeah, that's the reason why like in real life you also have like rewards for best supporting actors and actresses. Like They deserve recognition too because they help to push the plot of whatever you're watching and consuming. And just because you are a supporting cast, does that mean that you're any lesser than a main character minus maybe the spotlight and screen time? You could be sometimes just as impactful or in some cases, as we argued, more impactful than the main character. Yep. Support in this sense is purely for functional reasons, not for status reasons at all. And we appreciate every single one of you supporting characters. We appreciate all you guys listening. And um, I did not just call the listeners supporting characters, by the way. Bro, <laughs> I, I, I tried to be, I tried to, <laughs> I tried to, you know, sweep that under the rug. Well, we typically are the main characters of the GAP, right? So yeah. I guess guests will be the supporting characters, but we'll let them decide whether they want to be called guests or supporting characters. Anyways, <laughs> sweep that under the rug. Yeah, yeah, try, try your best now. All right. Um, I'm Jason signing off. This is Will signing off. We'll catch you in the next episode. Peace. Peace. Peace.